welcome to Better Than Mario Brothers, where each episode we delve deep into cinema sewer. I am Chris Bolton. With me, as always, my partners in podcasting, Mr. Mark Williams. Hello. And Miss Helen McIntyre. All right. And, you know, regular listeners will know that I've been away for a little while. It's been a hot minute since I've been here. So I figure for my first episode back, like, I've got to bring the thunder, right? I've got to, <laughs> like, it was my choice. So I, I had to pick something awful something so bad just to announce my routine so i've gone with mission what... accomplished <laughs> yeah definitely yeah, well done. i mean I, i've gone with a film that ranks very high on my list of the worst films ever made so tonight <laughs> listeners we're looking at highlander 2 um, i'm not calling it the quickening for reasons that we will get into here we are looking at highlander i 2. am <laughs> yeah i'm calling it the quickening <laughs> Yeah, Helen was kind of smart. Um, yeah. we, look, do, do you want to apologise to the class straight away, Helen? Do you want to just get that out of the way? Yeah, okay. So bank holiday weekend means wine, means I forgot we had this podcast coming up and I didn't remember until like afternoon today when I was at work. So I had to get the film watched, obviously, before we talk. And the, I was like, the only way I'm going to do this is if I watch it at 1.75 speed. So I did. I mean, that's, that's maybe genius. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So just just to check then. So I know Helen watched the version I sent her, albeit at one point seven five speed. Mark, you watched the same version as us, right? Just Probably. Because um, you... I I I just typed Highlander two into the um, into the search bar on YouTube. It's the theatrical cut. Oh. <laughs> oh. Did you guys watch the Renegade version? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yes, so this could be so, fun then. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize until this evening um, that there were was actually more than one version. Um, so the Renegade version is allegedly a million times better than the theatrical cut. It is. It's still not good. So Helen, if you watch the version that I sent out, you watched the Renegade cut. Um, <laughs> Mark, you've watched. I mean, I'm not. I, I feel like I watched the version you sent because that was the link that I was just yeah so... frantically typing into YouTube. But I mean, it, it didn't make much sense to me. Uh, no, and no. It's, it, it, the, the Renegade cut is the one that makes the most sense. Um, so just to just to put this out on Front Street listeners, we have all watched this on YouTube. You know we normally advocate for paying for your content on this show. Um, in the two months or so that I've been away, it vanished from Amazon completely. Um, it was available on Amazon Prime Video, so we planned in to do it. Um, it's now gone. Um there could be all sorts of reasons for that, um, one of which is there are three separate versions of this movie with multiple rights holders and all sorts of things. Um, but thankfully, or maybe because you, it's shit and nobody wanted to watch YouTube it. YouTube so to the off. rescue. I mean, there's that as well. Um, but YouTube to the rescue. So I found a link. I sent it out to everybody. Um, but it sounds like Mark, <laughs> Mark chose the worst possible version of this movie to watch. So you had an extra special painful experience. However, yeah. it is also the shortest version of this movie. Unless yeah, I mean, saying say that, this, that's still like a hundred minutes. <laughs> On, yeah, no, that would be right. I guess yeah, hundred minutes would be about it. I think the Renegade cut runs at about an hour and three quarters. So right. yeah, it was an hour. Fi- hour fifty was the version that I had. Yeah, yeah. Or at so least claimed to be an hour fifty before I sped it up. Yeah, that's the Renegade cut. Um, so yeah, I was going to get into this as we go through, but we've already started talking about. It. So let's 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 get this out there for listeners that don't know the backstory. Um. So normally I'd, I'd 
I'd talk about any kind of backstory that I have with the film before we start, and then we'd all dive in and we've seen it before, <laughs> and I'm sure we'll get on to that. But I think there is what's more interesting to me than Highlander Two is the production and subsequent release of Highlander yeah. Two because it's just amazing that this film exists at all. Um, it, it's incredible. So there are, as we said, three separate cuts that I know of of this movie. It wouldn't surprise me if there are more. Um, essentially, the core of the story is pretty much the same in all of them, but the narrative structure changes drastically amongst them all. The Renegade cut has an extra 15 to 18 minutes of footage. Um, the British cut is the version that we got on home video over here, which was the version that I was the most familiar with. Um, that has a completely different ending. Um, right. but also has some of the footage from the Renegade cut. Um, and then there is the theatrical release, or the American version, which Mark watched, which is just the biggest clusterfuck of a movie you have ever seen. It makes no sense whatsoever. There are massive chunks of the narrative missing. It's been cut together in the wrong order. Um, yep. There are two separate fight scenes that were cut together as one for the end. So characters are yep. wearing different costumes in different shots. Um, essentially, this movie uh, was was made um, because everybody wanted a payday. Um, that like stars are on record saying that uh, Michael Einstein in particular has said that he did the movie, got paid, and he fucking hated it. Um, Christopher Lambert kind of did the same like almost walked out because he hated the script so much ended up going on a bender um so most of the time he would show up to work so drunk that they couldn't actually film anything sean connery is only in the movie because christopher lammer insisted that he was in the movie otherwise he wouldn't be in it because they made friends on the first movie um, <laughs> is that any way to treat your fucking friends i mean well sean connery allegedly made about three and a half million for this movie and donated all of it to charity so he basically did it just for the greater good sure. essentially yeah sean connery and sean connery's bits are the best bits oh god for the by, most part yeah, yeah by a and that's, long that's not saying much so yeah. there's so there's all of these things before we even get into the core of why this movie is such a mess so the, the, the script is terrible okay yeah. um mm -hmm. but there is a better version of the script than was shot it was decided that the film would be shot in argentina so they all went to Argentina, they set up production, and then Argentina went through the worst financial crisis in its history, and inflation went through the roof. So much so that they had to call in completion funding, and the insurers took over the movie. The director and producer were locked out and did not have final cut. And so the financiers then decided to rewrite the script and make the most sellable version of the movie that they could. Now, this is how the <laughs> legend goes. Now, how much of what people really hate about this film was in the original script and how much was added tends to come and go a little bit like Chinese Whispers, which we did look up after our last podcast, actually, Mark, we did find out is um, actually quite offensive, so I shouldn't have said that. But anyway... Uh, <laughs> So that's what we mean to go on. Yeah. So, the theatrical cut, the version that Mark watched that was released in North America, was not, uh, it basically was not put together by the production team and the director, okay? That no. was the version that was released by the financiers. 
when it came here, when it came overseas, the British distributor ponied up some extra money to allow the director to cut a different version of the film. Lots of footage that they had shot was added and some of the stuff that had been shot after they lost control was taken out. That became the British cut with a completely different ending. Right. Then, about a decade later, the Renegade cut happened. So essentially, at this point, everybody hated Highlander 2 so much that they basically made an apology movie called Highlander 3, <laughs> The Sorcerer, which completely retcons this movie out of existence. Yeah. Like, it, it doesn't exist. Yeah. It, like, it's basically created an alternate timeline for Highlander, okay? So that comes along, and then they make a TV series which allows them to regain control of the rights to Highlander. So that's how we get Highlander 3, that's how we get the TV series, the animated series, the animes, Endgame, all of this is now made by the original production team and director. And when they took control, they released the Renegade cut, which is essentially Highlander 2, the director's cut. Now, it is still not a good movie. <laughs> Definitely not. Um, it is the best version of the movie you can watch. Definitely. However... There is, I mean, in my head, there's a better version of it out there as well, just based on the script that they have. And the problems are with the script, believe me. Um, but there is still a better version that's actually kind of a bastardization of the British cut and the Renegade cut. Now, we can get into some of these differences as we talk through the story. Um, but just for anybody that is really interested in this, I'm not going to summarize all of the differences because they are legion. There is a very yeah. good website you can go to that lists them all for you. Um, so I found a list of them on a site called figmentfly.com. Uh, Mark, I'll send you the link, and then if you maybe want to dump it in the yeah. show notes for people. It's a very old article. It was written to coincide with the laser disc release of the Renegade cut. Um, but it lists the differences between all of them, and those that are most significant I'll point out as we go through. Yeah, okay. on the uh, on the wiki page as well, there's quite a lot of uh, information about the differences as well, especially the things they added back into the... Um to the renegade version and the things they, they very spectacularly took out yeah um so so for the purposes of this podcast we're going to talk about highlander 2 in general because we've watched at least two of the three cuts um yeah prior to actually diving into this i did intend to watch all three cuts and then i watched the renegade cut last week and i was like no i can't i can't do it anymore <laughs> Um, I, I wasn't aware this was the thing, so it was only when um, when I started reading it about twenty minutes ago. I was waiting for you to come online. I think I thought, oh fuck, which version did I watch? And then I remembered it saying it was the theatrical version. And as I've read the the stuff on Wiki, I, you know, there's there's lots of stuff in there which I think, yeah, that happened. Which if they took that out of the Renegade version, then this is definitely the one I watched. Yeah, so I've seen the British cut of this more times than I should have. Um, I loved Highlander as a child. Absolutely loved it. Highlander was it was a go-to film for me and my friend group. We absolutely adored it. So when Highlander 2 came out, we were super excited. Um, and, and it's that kind of thing where because we loved the original so much, like we would really try and convince ourselves that we liked this movie. Like We've watched it a hell of a lot knowing that it was atrocious. And then as soon as Highlander 3 came out, which is also very bad, by the way, and maybe that will show up on this podcast at some point, but is a million times better than this. When that came out, we were all we all just dumped it immediately. We were just like, no, that was what were we on about, guys? That was fucking terrible. Like, what the fuck? The quickening? What? Um, oh, yeah. Interestingly, I said at the start, we're not calling it the quickening. The theatrical cut and the British cut come with the subtitle, the quickening. And yeah. there is a lot of gubbins about the 
quickening in it because it's it is quite central to the story, but actually it's just not needed and is explained it, no, elsewhere in Highlander lore anyway. It's kind of like it's it's it gets lost very quickly. I'm um, certainly in the theatrical version. You have the bit right at the start, and that's kind of it. Yeah, it's it's not. They, they don't mention it again. Yeah, it's really not important. And actually, it does a very good job, or at least the Renegade Cut does, does a very good job of explaining that towards the end. And that is one thing I will say for the Renegade Cut. One of its biggest problems is it's boring as hell because it's very, very clumsy. And the reason it's so clumsy is because there are such huge gaps in the narrative that they have to take massive connecting strides to link it all together. And so there's lots of expository dialogue going in there. Some of it's appalling. Um, Yeah. But yeah, in general, I'm most familiar with the British cut. I did get the Renegade cut through when, well, back when it was released. I was going to a lot of conventions, and all of these cuts circulated conventions on bootlegs a lot. So I have seen them all. Um, but the British one's the one I'm most familiar with. Um, it's got the worst ending of all of them by far. We'll talk about that when we get there. Let's start at the beginning. So the cut that we watched then, the Renegade cut, starts with a bit of prologue on screen it it highlights that you know the year is 2024 and climate change has ravaged the planet <laughs> you know it's it's basically now the movie like i, I mean you've yep. got to give it that like, it, it's oddly it's, prescient actually isn't that it is very prescient like you you've got to give it that much somebody was was bang on the money here i mean maybe Holy not the immortals and the giant shield and <laughs> shit but you know mm. the rest of it they're on the money yeah um, yeah, because the, um, the, the theatrical version opens slightly differently. It starts in 1999. Yes, yes. so and... your version would have opened with the flashback. Yeah. Yeah. Right, I definitely saw the Renegade cut then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you definitely... Like, I was having a moment where I was just like, mm, which version? I mean, it was now a 50, but like, it didn't make much sense. Yeah, so <laughs> there are multiple flashbacks that were filmed that are that are integral to the story. The Renegade cut handles them probably the most eloquently. They're still mostly front-loaded, but we get them yeah. in the correct order as Christopher Lambert's at the opera at the start, and he's kind of flashing back, and you're getting all the backstory yeah. as to where he came from. Yeah. The theatrical cut just takes the stuff in the past, as we know it, Helen, and dumps yeah. it at the start of the film. It's, however, it's, it's the opening sequence. Yeah, however, they are no longer in the past. No, no, no. They're on an alien planet because the Highlanders are all aliens. All right, Highlanders. The Immortals are all aliens. Yeah. So they're on the planet. Now, this was Zuts. the first bit that confused the living piss on me. I haven't seen Highlander for many years. I think I may have seen this once, possibly a fucking long time ago. I didn't remember them being aliens. That's because they aren't. And this is one of the yeah. things that's been retconned out of existence because it's fucking stupid. <laughs> now... We're talking about a film, you know, with immortals locked in battle for a prize and stuff. So it's it's not like it's outside of the realms of possibility that they could be aliens. The issue is that it's just so off the wall compared to the first film that it, it just it makes no sense whatsoever. They were trying to make a different film entirely, you know. Um, so, yeah. So ours, we get all of that stuff in the Renegade cut when the film actually opens after the prologue and, and uh, Con Cloud is at the opera and he's watching the opera, but he's yeah. an old man, so he's fallen asleep and he flashes back to the distant past where he's about yeah. to lead a clan the, of the renegades. Tr- yeah, because yeah. the opera is yeah. like triggering his memories. Which yeah. makes perfect sense. Now, the only bit, I'm going to jump forward slightly um, because this is the place to talk about this. Uh, we'll talk about the scene when we get there, but there is another... Well, there are two more flashbacks that occur in the Renegade version. 
um, one of which is creating the shield, and the other of which yep. is uh, Connor's reason for creating the shield. Now, I've no problem yep. with the creation of the shield being where it is, Mark. You don't have these in your version, um, or at least you, I don't think you have the creating the shield one. I do think you have his wife's death in your you version. have you have the wife's death and yes. then you have the the shield being switched on but there's there's nothing in no there's nothing between that there's, no, oh, so there's no, nothing no you do have into. both of them in the american version. okay okay right. so you do have both of them. but i think it's it's all in one it's not yeah it's, they're you, not they in the sequences it it's, it's just yeah. it's literally you start in 1999 <clears> the world is dying um and they basically the ozone layer is fucked so they create an artificial ozone layer um and then you launch into the film now i do think that is the correct opening sequence. The flashbacks should come where we had them, but we yeah. should open with the world dying and his wife yes. from the first movie dying to give us the whole reason why Connor creates the shield. It still makes no fucking sense whatsoever that all of a sudden he turns into Tony Stark and creates this massive fucking shield around the Earth. Yeah, that makes but at no least there's, sense. But this is the through line with it. it no, yeah, it, it, it tracks because in in the yeah. Renegade cut, that does come too late. I appreciate that it's there, yeah. um, but it does come too late. We need it at the start. Um, so anyway. yeah, because I was struggling with the sky references. Yes, and why everyone like knew who he was and was like really pissed off with him. And mm. if we'd had that shield sequence beforehand, it would have been like, right, okay, I get gotcha. this. But I was totally. like. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. totally. Um, that is, that is about the only. I mean, there's lots of faults I'm going to find in this film, but in terms of discussing the three different cuts, that is the only fault I can level at the Renegade version, where it's not quite as good as the others. Like that should yeah. be front loaded because it gives us vital character information. You say, especially yeah. the way early on people react to Connor when they see him and they're like, "You ruined the fucking mm -hmm. world," essentially. Yeah, because um, yeah, I mean, you go from. I'm jumping around a bit, obviously, because it's, it's going to get really confusing having watched different versions <laughs> stay yeah, on track. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we we get the scene at the opera. So we we flat, when he when we're at the opera, he has the flashback to his own planet and the whole you know, the mm -hmm. clans and all the rest of it. And then he wakes up. The, the the show is over. Some old dude wakes him up and tells him it's time to leave. And he goes to a diner. And then this woman comes in. Yeah. And I know you. You're McLeod. Oh, you see Virginia Madsen before that as yep, well. Yeah. Um, in in passing. So no, just to introduce um just to introduce that. But then this woman's there, are you, McLeod? You, you ruined my life, and she tries to attack him and all this sort of stuff. And until this point, you've not really got that much sense of the fact that anything went wrong. You, you know, yes, you see you see the sky, and it's oddly colored and all the rest of it, but there's no sense that actually humanity's been fucked by it. No, not at all. And that's the, fir that's the first inference you get, where actually yeah. things weren't quite the way they were supposed to. But it seems a very, a very odd reaction to him saving the world. It does. Because you've not had any of that content. You've not had that 25-year gap in the middle where actually people have gone, yeah, okay, you saved the world, but all the plants died because the fucking sunlight couldn't get in. And yeah. everything's too hot now because the hot air can't get out. Yeah. No, none of this is, is set up. It's just literally, you save the world, and at 25, later, 25 years later, everyone thinks you're a cut. That is handled much better in the Renegade version. There is a lot of discussion about why they're all driving around in old cars, why it doesn't rain, why there's no thunderstorms, why everything is dark. It's it's referenced in passing, yeah. but it's not really so, done. So that that is that is explored much better than Renegade version. But the the bit that I kept coming back to for the first twenty thirty minutes of the film, having watched it numerous times, also I know this, but I was watching it through a critical lens. Is like, yeah, but why Connor? Like of all the people in the world that cre could create this shield, yeah. why Connor? Because it, like he's he's not <laughs> right. Okay, so of course it's the quickening which is taken out of this version. Okay, um, yeah. but even even in your version. 
that isn't expect your version like you made it even in the american version <laughs> that isn't explained um because what they yeah. do what they do explain to you is that you know the process of the quick limb when one immortal kills another they immediately gain all of their strength and life force and knowledge now that doesn't mean that if one immortal kills an immortal who's a fucking weightlifter they can all of a sudden lift weights right but they would have a better knowledge of like how the human body works and how many reps they need to do and stuff like that so if at some point in our history of planet earth one of the immortals had been a fucking astrophysicist or something then because connor's the last one he would have that knowledge via the process of the quickening so he can do this it's just not really in his character particularly the connor from the first one who's really just interested in winning the prize and fucking dying because yeah. he's lost everything multiple times over the course of his life and here he's lost another thing again like it makes sense that he ends up this old man that he is like that yeah. that bit tracks it's just the rest of this film that doesn't I, I i don't understand how you go from the first film where it's just a bunch of immortals who've been on earth forever with very little explanation they just are immortal are locked in this just, eternal yeah. battle for the prize so that the last one remaining can die and then, like, I understand if you want to make a sequel, you have to retcon that, right? Because he can't die now. He's got to fight other immortals. So he can't be the last one. There are a million ways you can do that without bringing in the planet Zeiss or, as they reword it in our version, like, the distant past and putting the Earth under this dome. And, like, it's so complex. And then, like, they get to the third one and it's literally like, yeah, there was this other dude and he was frozen in ice. So you just didn't know about him, but now we've defrosted him, and so you're not immortal anymore. It's like that. That's fine. I'll take it. Like yeah. it's not the stupidest I'll take that thing. Over this shit. Like right. There's a million ways. Or like mm-hmm. even when we get to the TV series, and it's like, oh no, actually, there's another McLeod. Like whatever. Right. That it doesn't matter, does it? We're talking <laughs> about immortals cutting each other's heads off and swearing at each other. That's what made the first one cool. And it's like they seem to have forgotten that because they want to make Blade Runner. Um, however, right. Look, having said all of that, right. I've got you know you have to give this film credit where it's due. Like this opening sequence, this whole opening sequence is fucking gorgeous. Like it, it's absolutely stunning to look at. Like it's soaked in neon, it's wet, it's smoky, it's atmospheric. Like it, it's really well done. You've got that circular pan around the opera house as well. Like mm. the opening scene is very very well done, and actually all of the action scenes in this are very well done as well. At least they are when you see them cut together properly um but you know it's just that the story is so fucking appalling because at its core we have two separate stories here there's the dystopian sci-fi which on its own might have worked fine and then there's the highlander saga and i don't understand where the two meet and i don't think i I I ever will no this is a problem we've, we've had before on on this show whereby somebody's had an idea for a film and they've gone right okay let's make this film and at some point they've gone oh hang on we haven't got enough we haven't got enough in this it's only going to be 40 minutes it doesn't make a lot of sense hang on what was that other thing you were talking about the other day oh right okay let's try and splice it together with that let's try and shoehorn that that unit or try and shoehorn our story into that universe yeah and at some point they've made some sort of bastard mutant thing that lives under the stairs because it ain't it's no, it's not Highlander, but it's it's not anything else either. No, and and you you know you do have to allow a certain amount of leeway there for there probably was a vision somewhere that ended up getting completely shit canned, and I don't yeah. think it ever would have been 
the right sequel for Highlander. I don't even think Highlander needs a sequel. I don't think the TV no. series needs to exist. Third one is better, like I said, and it's all enjoyable. The TV series is enjoyable enough as well. Yeah. But that first film is a perfect fucking one and done film. It's great. That first film tells a complete story. It's brilliant. Like we one and done, and we would be having a completely different conversation. Well, we wouldn't be having this conversation, you know. Um. So it it doesn't need to exist, but you, you have to factor in that actually the version we've got is not what it should be and somewhere along the line yeah maybe we might have had something at least decent if it wasn't highlander uh, but you know we ended up with yeah. neither so what we have established then is that in both versions we're at the opera and we get the flashbacks so in the theatrical theatrical cut and the british cut it's revealed that all of the immortals are they're actually um, criminals from the planet zeiss for whatever reason you know i mean we say criminals connor's not actually a criminal he's a rebel leader which I guess makes him a criminal in some sense, but, you know, he's our goodie then. Um, but yeah. they get exiled to the planet Earth. They get reborn on Earth as immortals, and they forget that Zeiss ever existed, basically. They they just they forget their previous life. All right, so that's... And, and then they all fight for the prize, and whoever wins the prize suddenly gets all of their memories back through the process of the quickening. They remember that they're from a distant world. And they can choose to either stay on Earth and grow old and die as a mortal, or they can return to Zeiss and go back as a free man. That's the that's the two. And then in the past, it's exactly the same, except instead of being on Zeiss, they're now criminals from the distant past. But it's a distant past, a little like Star Wars, where it's kind of a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and they've actually got advanced technology. And then through the process of war and shit like that, that's all been lost yeah. because humans are assholes, right? So they have got futuristic technology in the past. That's the only real difference um, in in those versions. Um, I, I think in these flashbacks here, this is the only point in the film where Sean Connery is bad because he is fucking terrible in these flashbacks. Like, I, I don't know whether yes. they shot them last, but he's clearly just like, I cannot be bothered. Yeah, this. I'm done. I just really fucking get me not, out of yeah, it. Yeah, just like I've had enough. Give me my money. But it, it wouldn't surprise me because I mean, this it's the only time really. It's the only time you see him in that environment. It's just like, oh, right, we haven't built the set yet. So we'll do that bit last, and we'll tackle him where it goes. And yeah, at this point, I think everybody's just going, you know what? This is fucking bollocks anyway. Let's just get it done and get out of it. Yeah, he, he's all right if you watch him on fast forward. I'm sure. He, I mean, he's brilliant. In generally, the, rest the of case the film. of Sean Connery, to be honest. I mean, he's he's, yeah. he's genuinely amazing in the rest of the film. Like he's having a yeah. brilliant time chewing the fuck out of the scenery. Um, yeah, but he, absolutely. It's just here. He's um, he just seems bored. But but he has a lot of expository yeah. dialogue. You know, this is all yes. the setup and stuff. So nobody's yeah. really going to make that work. So he's there. He reveals that you know he's he's not going to be um, the rebel leader anymore because he, he's he's given up. He just can't lead anymore. He needs to be someone younger and fitter and stronger to do it. And then he picks Connor out of the crowd. Um, so, And then kind of flash forward a bit, we understand that there's a rebellion. Um, and then we meet Michael Ironside's character, Katana, General Katana. Um, and Michael Ironside with here is just wrong, isn't it? It's, I know. It's, yeah. it's really it's bizarre. It's really off-putting. <laughs> just doesn't look right at all. Um, and, and then we, we find out that, you know, Connor gets caught, as does Ramirez, and they're both sentenced to go to Earth and get locked in the battle for the prize. Uh, or go to the future and get locked in the battle for the prize. Whichever yeah. way you want to cut it, that's what happens. So we go back. Um, we get um, Connor then in his car making some vid screen calls and stuff like that. 
to the guy he's to do with the shield because he's starting to regret things. He's looking back in his life. We have, for some inexplicable reason, a very gratuitous booby shot um, of just this homeless woman's tits as she's being, like, basically raped. Um, don't know why it's there, but it is. Um, and then, <laughs> then we go to the shield generator for our first introduction to our kind of terrorist cell. Um, and there is a scene here in the Renegade cut which isn't in the other cuts, which is just to kind of establish that there's more than one shield generator and they're like a worldwide network and stuff, but this is right. the main one. Um, it's referred to okay. as the December site, I think, in the other versions. Um, it's not referred to as the December site in the Renegade cut. It's just the shield generator, but it, we do find out that there are multiples. And this one's being attacked by kind of eco-terrorists, essentially, who want to shut it down because it's killing the planet. So that's where we get all of that backstory. Um, yeah. And then there is an amazing dialogue exchange with one of the worst performances you've ever seen that also makes no sense whatsoever, which is missing from everything but the Renegade version. Um, as the terrorists are breaking in, there are two guards on a, on a guard post talking to somebody in control who you're annoyed, and they say, what's that? And the guard goes, probably a fish. There's loads of fish down there. <laughs> As if, you know, fish carry automatic guns that shoot people. Like, of course it's yeah. a fish. Well, it's supposed to be in America. Maybe they, they do all have automatic weapons. Who knows? Uh, I mean, maybe. I don't know. Maybe they just want their sharks with freaking laser beams. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Because, I mean, it does look a bit like Dr. Evil's laid on it, this place. It is a bit... Yes. Uh, yeah. Um... <laughs> <laughs> so okay we, we get we get all of that and we get introduced to our heroine um i mean it's it's just pointless this this whole scene is pointless but it's in the renegade just to kind of establish the shield corporation really is what it's about you know that we now yeah. need to understand that the shield was put up with good intentions but it's now basically being run by apple is the problem um and they're just in it for the monies um so yeah because i mean the 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 um, theatrical version is slightly different so you you don't you get her running away from it and basically making a break for it um and so you you see her on the on the news footage that um mcleod's watching in the diner and then you see her um so sort of making a break from wherever they whatever they've been doing and basically getting changed in an alley which doesn't draw attention at all the fact she strips off completely and just you know, chucks a different uh, different jacket on um and that's that's your introduction so you've just seen her on the news footage and then you see her acting basically kind of suspicious in public and that's it you don't see so you don't get any of that uh, anything about the um about the shield corporation about oh okay well i mean it's not really said or anything here but it's it's just by yeah the way there's very little the logos and stuff instead of you don't, yeah, the, you, don't you see shield corp on it yeah you, um, you don't see a yeah. great deal of anything really it's um yeah, it's 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 easy to just sort of gloss over and to not really pay attention to it at that point. Okay. Now I I don't know what it's like in the version you watched, Mark, but certainly in the Renegade version, and it might be because this extra footage has been shoehorned in. But the cut out of this action scene back to Connor is horrendous. The action scene just right. stops, and then Connor's like sat in his car on the way to the bar. It's absolutely terrible. Um, oh, no, before that, it cuts back to the past again as well, or to Zeiss, depending on which version you watch. Um, and in fact, this may even have been earlier in your version, but Katana's watching all of this on the screen because uh, they've got, like, vid screens, and then the jury explained that Connor hasn't yet made his choice and could still come back to challenge Katana. And this is where the narrative really starts to get muddled. 
because hmm. yeah, I, I don't remember that bit. How... I, I was, I, it was jumping around so much, I yeah. couldn't fucking tell you I mean, if it happened or not. How the honest. fuck has Connor not made his choice? Like he's a hundred yeah, he's a rebel leader. Or something. Like he's decided to stay on Earth, surely? Because what this is basically saying is like he's mortal there now, but at any point he could just decide to fuck it all off and go back oh, to right, Zeiss, yeah, right? Yeah. So he could live his entire life here. Then on his deathbed, he could just be like, nah, fuck this. Yeah, I fuck didn't it. want this, actually. I kept the receipt. I'm off back to Zeiss or to the past or whatever it's going to be. Um, I'm going to choose to say the past from now on, right? Because I'm one of those people that would really rather pretend that Zeiss just doesn't exist. Um, because it's a fucking terrible idea. Um, this, entire, this whole fucking mess about <laughs> pretend doesn't exist. I've got to be honest. I absolutely would as well. Um, you know, like, all right, slight tangent. Um, but all of these people that complain when, like, Disney are making new Star Wars or there's a female Ghostbusters team or whatever, we've talked about this at length on the podcast, and I'm always like, look, if that's not your version of the thing, just leave it. Like, you don't have to have a big... Yeah, just ignore it. You don't have to have a big rant about reboots and sequels. If you don't like them, just leave them. But I think this is the genuine case for, like, yeah, this shouldn't exist. You should have just left yeah. the story as it was. Like, we... You know, Henry, yeah. we talk about Robocop 2 quite a lot. Again, a movie that shouldn't There's no exist. such thing. Yeah. There's but... no such thing. Yeah, exactly. And that's how I feel <laughs> about Highlander 2. Like, this film just doesn't exist. Um, so Connor goes to, like, the bar. Um, and then, like, depending on which version you watch, you get a different song on the jukebox, which I find hilarious. Right. Okay. So in our version, in the Renegade Cut, we get a kind of magic, which is yeah. theme yeah, you have Highlander that in... 2. Um, yeah, that in um, in Okay, so there is a cut where Princes of the Universe is playing. Um, okay, which is much better. That might be the um, that might be the special edition. Yeah, uh, which came later on. And there is a cut where Who Wants <laughs> to Live Forever is playing, which is clearly the right song to be playing at this moment. Yeah, yeah, and not clearly. the other two because yeah, all right, kind of magic, not the best Queen song, still kind of good. And Princes of the Universe just flat out slaps, and that's not what this scene is about. Like, yeah, you know, I. I I just I don't, I've never seen the version with Princes of the Universe, in, but I can't imagine him just walking into this bar all hangdog, and all of a sudden you get like, "I am immortal. I have inside me blood of kings." Like, Hang on, what? <laughs> Sorry, like, but yeah, apparently there's a cut out there with with that in it. Um, okay. There you go. Um, I I don't ever remember seeing that, but I must have. But I don't ever remember seeing that. To me, it's always been kind of magic, which is weird because I don't think that's mm. what's in the British cut, but. There's probably some Mandela effect there because kind of magic is so linked to Highlander two in my head. Yeah. Um that you know, the two just go hand in hand. But you gotta get the theme song in, right? Because somebody needs to get paid. So yeah. you know. Uh so okay, Connor hasn't made his choice. Um Right, yeah, then the woman comes on to accost him in the bar. And mm. we've already talked about this a bit, and it, it makes no sense. Yeah. We're all like, Why does she hate him? What yeah. the fuck's all this about? Yeah. Um, and it's it's there as setup essentially, but it feels like we're already a bit past that. Um, yeah. And again, I think it's just because these stories are so confused. I think if we'd have spent more time, if it had opened with those flashbacks that we talked about with his wife dying and yeah. then putting the shield up, and then we stayed with that for a little bit and we explored yeah. this world a little bit more, then yeah, that would make sense. But he yeah, doesn't. I mean, you've got that. You've got that twenty-five year then. gap, and you could you could quite easily have said right, well. You know, even if you don't timestamp it, they, you know, you have this bit in nineteen ninety nine where um, his wife dies. They, they build the shield, they put the shield up, and then you can just show there are myriad, you know, myriad ways you can do it, but just show the the, the decline over the next twenty five years. So by the time you get to twenty twenty four and you start the story, you know why everyone thinks he's a cunt. You know why everyone thinks he ruined the planet. 
and he's going yeah. to kill them all. He's the reason they're all going to die. Even though, he, even though he did it to save them all, he's <clears> the reason that their planet is now dying. So at least you've then hung it on something. So when, when this woman accosts him, and he's like, I, I hate you, you ruined my life, you ruined everything, and she tries to twat him over the head with a bottle, at least you know why. At least it's been earned. Yes, totally, totally. Yeah, um, you should have started it with the flashback with them putting up the shield and that it was meant to be something that was great and his wife dying and that's why it was. And then you, what you would have done is you would have started the eco-terrorist assault on the shield but, but a little bit earlier on the eco-terrorist yeah. timeline so that you've got more of a motivation as to why they're going in. So you then open with this action sequence which is like... Yeah would then also yeah. have the question of, well, why is this, why are they doing this thing if it's meant to be great? And that would be what yeah. was coming out as they're like making their way into the building. And yeah. then it would end. And then you'd cut to Connor being a sad sack in his car, yeah. listening to all of this shit. And you'd realize, oh, he knows as well. Yeah, totally. Yeah. They, like you I could said, just cut out the stuff about the <coughs> distant past. Yeah. Like yeah. I said, there is a, yeah. there is still a better version of this film out there. I still don't yeah. think it's good. Yeah. I don't think it'll ever be good. No. But there is still the, the footage is here with with a, with another yeah. pass. Yeah. There is something that's you know if it wasn't called Highlander, then it would be one of those films or one of those sequels where you can just go like the new RoboCop, right? Where you can watch it. Go, yeah, I can watch that. It's just not RoboCop, but I watch it. It's actually yeah. quite good. The RoboCop reboot is all right. It's just not what? RoboCop, what? and it never will yeah, be. Not RoboCop. Yeah, and and you could do thing. that with this. I think with another pass, you could watch it. Go, oh, it's, it's okay. It's passable. It'll never be good, and it'll never be Highlander. But it probably yeah. wouldn't feature on my worst films ever list. You know, yeah. it would just yeah. be a bad sci-fi film. Yeah. And and to be fair, yeah. it's not only your list. It's general. It's I think I've I've found probably a dozen lists where it's very high up on the uh, worst. It's ever terrible film, uh, and, scale. And I don't think yeah. it is my actual worst film ever. Like Mortal Kombat Annihilation is way worse, for instance. Uh, but I think it's probably the most disappointed I've ever been in a film. Still to this day. Um, because I loved the original so much. Um, so then Connor leaves the bar. Like he, he he hangs around for a little bit, like a fucking sad sack in some really bad old man makeup. Um, and Christopher Lambert, bless him. A really him. bad old man acting. Yeah, bless him. <laughs> Not good. Bless him for that voice. Like he didn't have to do that, did he? <laughs> what the f- it's like the reverse of the most recent Indiana Jones film where they've like de-aged Harrison yeah. Ford and like he's running but he's running like an old man. It's just yeah. It's it's that it's, not... it's that voice. It's the it's the Marlon Brando Godfather voice that he's putting. Yeah. That doesn't come across when you speed him up so his voice goes higher. Oh, oh you missed you missed so much of his character. Oh, that Helen. that was a, that was a treat. No wonder you didn't like the film. You missed you missed yeah. all of the sadness <laughs> and the weariness coming through in, in his old man voice where he talks like this. Because I just well no because just old. if you watch him on fast forward and this isn't going to come across in an audio podcast and I don't give a shit because this is for you two. He just does this a lot. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing you probably missed was um john c mcginley's um orson welles impression which he even he has said was the worst fucking thing he's ever done yeah we'll talk about that when he appears believe me <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah if you watch it watch it sped up you'd have missed that yeah. as well so so then he leaves anyway after a bit of moping yeah. around and we're we're introduced formally to louise um yeah. who's i've written in my notes here i've written her full name uh, Louise, I'm going to forget that immediately, so I'm just going to call her Greta Thunberg. Um, that's how I refer to her for the rest of my notes. Connor meets Greta Thunberg. Uh, so, 
and 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 it's at this point when they have their first conversation and we start to dig into why she hates him and we do get a little bit then into what the shield mm. means now for the world yeah. and where she's coming from and it is at this point where you you, you can look at it and go actually do you know what there is there is the seeds of something really genuinely good here there, there is and it is as we say so prescient and if you go back you know 30 years when this was being made like this was you know, this was some top tier sci-fi on the table here yeah. for the taking, but but they can't commit it was, to it because they've got to make Highlander too. <laughs> so. Well, that's the thing. When you look at it, I mean, this is probably just after was it ninety one? This was wasn't that? Yeah. So I mean, this is just on the back of um, after the UN banning CFCs and stuff like that. So I mean, the ozone was this massive topic. Yeah. And so this, you know, this this whole world where imagine we didn't do that. Imagine we didn't stop using CFCs. Imagine we st- we carried on as we are. And we completely fucked the planet. This is where we're heading, and we're only ten years away. Yeah. And so no, it it's, it serves, I say it's it it serves as a, as a reasonable attempt at social commentary as well. Except they they instead of actually going for what's going on and what and what how they're going to manage it and how they're going to work through it, they go, yeah, we've got this thing where humans have fucked the planet, but we also want to make Highlander. And and what's oh, I can't decide which one we want to do. Fuck it, we'll do them both. Yeah, and what you get in this scene especially is you get both of those films encapsulated, right? And they won't come down yeah. on either side. Because, yeah, you've got that film where it's Connor's not in it and it's not a Highlander film. It's just about what this means for the planet, right? But then in his conversation with Louise as well, he starts to tell her, like, we don't get shown it at this point, and that's my big criticism. We need to be shown why Connor's so disillusioned with everything. But we do yeah. dig it because she's telling him why he's supposed to be so brilliant, right? And why the woman's attacked him. And she's like, well, because you did this and you did that. But it's all coming from a place of hate with her, right? You did this, you did yeah. that. And then he's justifying his actions. And then you start to chip away these layers of this sad, disillusioned old man who was just trying to do the right thing to fulfill his wife's last dying wish and to save a species yeah. that he's got no interest in because we are so beneath him. Right, and and there's something there as well, right? So there's your Highlander too, if you want to set it in the distant future. But then you can drop all of the political stuff that goes. You can still have the destruction of the ozone layer and stuff, but that would just be colour mm. rather than the main yeah. drive of your story. Because the main drive of your story, if you're making Highlander two, has to be Connor McLeod, right? It yeah, has to it be, does. and it has to be about Connor's journey. And this isn't. It's more about this dystopian sci-fi, and Connor's kind of just there doesn't really have a lot of sway over the narrative at all he has very little agency in this film if we're honest because he's being hunted yeah. for most of it he just kind of pinballs around being sad um so yeah although occasionally is he has a character transplant and he becomes connor from the first one um but yeah you know whenever ass kickery is needed basically um so we get so but what i'm getting at basically is this story is complete horseshit because it's it's two decent stories that have been jammed together um i i mean yeah it's, it's it's just terrible it's really terrible but we do then get our first fight because there are there are two soldiers sent from the past not from zeiss from the past into the future because katana's worried that connor's going to come back and challenge him so he sends two kind of yeah. bounty hunter types after him are they meant to be porcupines because they've got like porcupine hair well, right so here's the thing again this is where it gets really stupid in the highlander two of it all right because like in in highlander people had ridiculous armor right like some of them looked absolutely fucking crazy but it was armor and it made sense 
But this, because it's from an alien planet, looks futuristic and sci-fi and alien. And so it looks weird all of a sudden when he shows up. Now, that might fly in the original cuts. But in our cut, the director's cut, the renegade cut, where they come from the past, you're like, well, why do they look like that then? (laughs) What's, What's this about? Yeah. You know, and, yeah, and it's it not. It doesn't make much more sense in the theatrical cut either. And, and it would even fly. And this is so simple to do. It would even fly if, in traveling from Zeiss or the past, whichever one, in traveling from there to you know the future where they are, are the time of our narrative, they show up and they're a bit like you just have a scene where it's a bit terminated to start, where they were like, oh, hold on, we need to blend in, and like this is the fashion of of this time so this is what they're going to wear right the big fucking spiky porcupine hair things and the goggles and you know they can fly around on their hoverboards and stuff whatever right the fact that they're these fucking futuristic villains <laughs> is, is the least problematic thing about this this film and it does lead to a very very well choreographed and seriously cool action scene and yeah. and again the one thing you've got to say for this film the story is horseshit but these action film these action scenes are awesome and the reason they're awesome is because everyone involved, particularly Christopher Lambert, though, absolutely insists on doing everything for reals. Even the hoverboard stuff, he's on wires there. Like, that's not CGI. They absolutely insist on it to the point of insisting they use real fucking broadswords. Which, <laughs> which, once control was wrestled away, got shut down after Christopher Lambert sliced his thumb to the bone. Uh, knocked someone's teeth out, like because also <laughs> this is a little known fact. I think. To be fair, if you if you knock somebody's teeth out with a broadsword and don't cut their head off, that's fucking incredible. See, here's the thing, yeah. right? They're allowing Christopher Lambert to do his own stunts, and they're allowing him to wield a broadsword. The guy is medically, medically, mind you, short sighted. Like he can <laughs> <laughs> He has seriously bad eyesight. To the point where it affects the way he's framed. Like, this is a little known fact about him. Like, they have to frame him in certain ways because he can't see his fucking hand in front of his face. Right? (laughs) (laughs) And they're allowing him to jump off trains and hit people with broadswords. Oh, man, that's awesome. This is how amazing this production is. (laughs) Seriously. Right? Oh man! And the fucking bean counters <clears throat> took that away from us. But you, you, you've got to figure, like at this point, right? He is the film. Like he is yeah. Highlander. So if he says, "I want Sean Connery," if he says, "I want to use a broadsword," if he says, "I want to go to all of Argentina's nightclubs because I hate this so much and I'm depressed, so I'm going to show up for work <laughs> at three in the afternoon, drunk off my ass," you've got to let him do it, because like, there's no film without him. Like we haven't got. Duncan McLeod at this point. We've not hit the TV series. The Highlander is Connor McLeod. It's Christopher. <laughs> so he does what he likes. Um, so yeah, the, the fight is fucking amazing. It's just really, really cool. Um, yeah. And then, of course, he's fighting for his life, so he does have to behead these uh, these immortals that have come after him, and then the quickening occurs. And then See, here's here's a problem, right? It looks really fucking cool when he walks out of the fire, right? And, and nobody gives a shit-eating smug grin like Christopher. He's amazing at it. I think I said it in our Mortal Kombat <laughs> podcast as well. And I he certainly did. said it in our Mortal Kombat 2 one. It's one of the biggest things missing from the film. When he comes out of there and they just crash zoom into his face and he does that smirk, like proper hero moment, but not 
five minutes ago when he cut himself in the bar and realised he was immortal again. He was all pissed off about it because he'd won the prize and he wanted to die. And then all of a sudden he walks out of the fire like, come on, come get some. What the fuck? Like, are you happy about this or not? I mean, I understand why you've done it because it looks fucking cool, right? But doesn't make any sense narratively. Like I said, occasionally he just has a character transplant and he becomes Connor from the first movie. Which is fine because yeah. he's a much better character in that movie. But yeah, like this is one of those points. Um and then then we have the hoverboard chase, which is just straight out of Masters of the Universe. But fine, yeah. whatever. Looks good, so I don't care. Yeah, does the job. Yeah, it's absolutely fine. Um interestingly, the only reason it looks I've got all the facts about this movie, seriously. I think <laughs> <laughs> the only reason it looks like it's straight out of He-Man is because they had to alter those hoverboards again because they were worried about marketability because by the time this got through and was released Back to the Future 2 was already out and it wasn't when they started. <laughs> so they were like, we can't ah. actually have flying skateboards so we need to change this. Um, yeah. So they went back and now they look like the things out of Masters of the Universe. Um, so yeah, that's that's fine. We get the second behead in all the quick and it happens again. Yeah. Um, and then there's just fuckery for a couple of minutes then. We, certainly in your version that you watch, Mark, I know there's a lot of explanation about the quickening here, which thankfully we're spared. But we do get to see the guy blow up when he asked for a light, which I thought was hilarious. Um, <laughs> I just thought that was great. Um, yeah, I mean, th- I think it was this point I was getting seriously confused. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. Nobody does. I've seen, like I said, I've seen versions of this film British cut especially multiple multiple times I still don't fully understand it I think this watch through because I was paying much closer attention I think I've got the story much better than I ever have before Mm. still don't fully get what the fuck's going on if I'm honest though but it doesn't matter because as he's be going through the quickening he calls out Ramirez's name for no apparent reason whatsoever because he could have done this at any point in the last 500 years in the first movie yeah but he decides to do it here. Um, and yeah. then Sean Connery comes back and it's all fine for a bit because yeah. he's great. <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, 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 loved, honest, I loved him. He's yeah. His return scene was brilliant. I thought it was amazing. Yeah. Um, we'll come to that in a second. Yeah, I mean, I, we, we've watched some absolute horse shit on this show. And there have been times where I've been confused. There have been times I find things difficult to follow. I have never been so fucking confused as I was watching this film. And the alternate version thing kind of makes sense because whoever cut this has no fucking idea how narrative works oh no no um it's literally just oh well that looks good we'll put that next oh no that doesn't fit with with what we've just said oh fuck it doesn't matter nobody nobody will notice it it just looks cool and yeah you get bits that are all over the fucking place and i was i I was at that point i was thinking right hang on i didn't know if it was the version you'd sent or not um i literally just put highlander 2 into the search bar on youtube and and saw theatrical cut as well that's that's one thing to watch and literally, I was sat there going, I don't even know if I'm watching the right fucking film. It's a mess. Because this isn't Highlander. I I knew at 10 years old that this film was a fucking mess. <laughs> right? I knew it. And I still <laughs> watched it numerous times because it was Highlander, right? And I, I loved Highlander. But I knew then it was a mess. So it doesn't take a lot to realise that this is this is all to cock. So you're not on your own there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, it that cut is especially just it makes no sense whatsoever. It, it jumps yeah, around I mean, all over it, the place. Yeah, it, it makes a lot more sense now knowing the background and knowing the fact that it wasn't an actual fucking filmmaker who who put it together. Yeah. That makes that makes it seem a little more forgivable in as much as 
it's it's no, it's it's unforgivable. It's crap. But at least nobody nobody who who's got any idea of what they were doing has actually gone anywhere near it. And gone. No, what would be really good next is actually if we cut these two fight scenes together because it look cool, even though they're clearly different fucking times of day and in different costumes. And that yeah, we'll do that because it'll be fine. It'll look amazing. Nobody in their right mind is doing that. Nope. If you've got a, some fucking accountant going, you know what? We've got the shot. We paid a lot of money. If you fucking use it. Yep. Okay. That's what this film feels like. It's filmmaking by committee is what this turned out to be. And it's the best example of why that should never happen. Um, but it is what it is, right? That was, that was the cut that got delivered. And there's, there's value in watching those theatrical cuts. Like, it, as, as an experience of how not to watch, of how not to make a fucking film. Like, yeah. you watch that. And then you know, reading into the history of the production, like, if you want an example of how not to be a producer, like, and, and I'm not attacking the original producers here, I'm talking about after this shit got taken over, you know, it's yeah. almost like Benioff and Weiss picked up this fucking storybook and went like, oh, this is how we do it, this is the playbook, so we allow everybody to get <laughs> off their tits, we have how many deaths? Okay. Yeah, incidentally, there was a death on set, somebody fell off a crane, um, the train sequence, and um, it was originally supposed to be done by stunt doubles, but they couldn't because all of the stunt doubles were off their tits on coke because they were in Argentina and they were allowing them to just do whatever they wanted. Um, there is, I don't know how true this is, but there is apparently like serious hush money somewhere uh, that's changed hands to cover up the amount of hookers that Sean Connery and Christopher Langer worked their way through in production. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not, but there is apparently like serious... For, like for legal purposes, let's just say it's a, it's a vicious rumour and we, we, we have no stock in but it. But interestingly, you see, Christopher Hammer ended up never making a cent off this movie because apparently <laughs> everything that he earned, he lost in a dodgy real estate scam in Argentina. Hmm. Hmm. Just saying. Was, it, was he invest, investing in mattresses and red light bulbs, maybe? Uh, maybe, maybe. Just saying. Two and two sometimes make four. Just, just throwing that out there. Just throwing that out there. Right, this is entirely conjecture. Please don't sue us. Absolutely, yeah. This, I mean, all of this is because we weren't there, right? So I'm just going <laughs> on more. I, I mean, I was, and like I said, I was some like of this, six or something like that. Some of this has just become the stuff of legend. Like, honestly, yeah. listeners, if you've got any interest in just movie making in general, just research the production of Highlander Two. Just do yourself a favor. Have a five minute Google after you finish with this podcast because I can't possibly cover all of the shit. That went on in this production. It's mind blowing. Um, so, okay, we have the hoverboard chase. Um, as part of that, a guy stops um, one of the bad guys to ask him for a light. He ends up blowing him up. It's hilarious. Um, and then the first one, uh, sorry, the second one gets taken down. Connor yells out Ramirez. Like I said, I don't understand. Like, no, I know he's no what, sense. Uh, right, they had to shoehorn Sean Connery in, which is why he has very little agency again until the very end. Like, actually, if you think about it, all of his scenes have no bearing on this plot whatsoever. He, he really is tacked on to this movie because Chris Lammer yeah. insisted on it. Otherwise, you wouldn't do it. Um, but you, because, it, like, if he could bring him back at any point, he would have done it during Highlander, not here. You'd think so, wouldn't you? Like, this is his guy. This is his mentor. This is his best friend. Like, he would have brought him back. I mean, I know that means he would have had to kill him in order to claim the prize. But it didn't seem to bother well, him here, did it? Right. But then this is the thing, right? So there can be only one, and it's kind of like capitalism for immortals in that, you know, like, the distance... Like, as you kill more people, you get more powers and more knowledge. Mm-hmm. So anyone that's sort of coming in new to it, like the odds are stacked against them, against the players that have been around a longer time. 
So the fact that Sean Connery's character kind of like takes young Connor under his wing and like looks out for him and stuff is part of the reason why he does so well because he had Ramirez looking after him. But I mean, when you think about it, it's kind of a shitty prize that they win. It's a case of, yeah, you get all the knowledge and all the power, but you also then have children and then you die. And it's like, yeah, but like, if you had your bestie, the two of you could be immortals forever, bumming around with none of that shit to ever deal with. And you just have to like do a pinky promise that yeah, neither one of you had the other one. And it's just like, then you get to like play it with like the best possible fucking settings forever. It's it's one of the only things, and, and you're right, it's one of the only things I never understood about Highlander either was like, I, I, like, I get, and they <clears> do sell this very well in the first one as well. I yeah. get that like, when you're immortal, like it seems like it'd be a brilliant idea. Simply does to me. I'm fucking terrified of dying, and I was as a kid as well. So I was like, I'm, yeah. I'm all about fucking being immortal, right? But then, when you see Connor go through multiple lifetimes and lose multiple partners and children and friends, and then you realize why actually the prize is to just be done with this, yeah. like because because yeah. don't forget they can't, even, they can't even commit suicide, right? They were yeah. immortal. But if but if your bestie, your soulmate, is also an immortal, yeah, then then you then you've won. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because you just get yeah. to spend the rest of your life raising hell with them, like totally. Yeah. But you know, that's that's not funny. He's got to be a mopey hero who destroyed the world. Otherwise, we don't get a film. But yeah, totally agree yeah. with you. And I again, it's like why didn't he do it? You know, forty years ago then, or whatever. Like why didn't yeah. he do it? Like Ramirez has been gone for five hundred years. Why didn't he do it four hundred fifty years ago? <laughs> yeah. because it's not because all of a sudden like he's the last one and he's got all of the power from all the previous quickenings it's literally in the setup they explain that they now like does that weird like Link, thing and they, they? Like, draws on his yeah. head like the fucking Lion King or yeah. something and says, they're now oh, one Link. and whenever yeah. you call my name I'll be there they're like blood yeah. brothers or some shit and yeah yeah, yeah. So, but, just without the yeah. aids anyway look whatever like he shows up he, he, he rocks back up in the middle of the Shakespeare production. Fucking amazing. Yeah. I love this scene. I, uh, it's the only, yeah. th- only scene I fucking enjoyed. This is one of... I, I'm not even shitting you. This is one of my favourite films. Uh, f- sorry, favourite scenes to come out of any film of the 90s. Like, this was a thing amongst my friend group growing up. Shithead was a thing amongst... Like, you yeah. couldn't say the word <laughs> shithead. It was always shithead. <laughs> it, it, it just became a thing for us. Because it's fucking hilarious. Like, he's so good. And, and that that is one of the the joys of this, I think, is this is Sean Connery entering his renaissance, basically. Like you know, all of all of the other stuff he did, you know, all of your Dragon Hearts and all of that, that comes after this, right? This is him entering his kind of old man phase, if you like. And yeah. he's having such a blast with it. He's literally like, I'm going to get three mil for a couple of days' work. I think he was on yeah. set for nine days. I think and got like three mil for it. And he said, you've got to go to Argentina. Go through all of those hookers with Christopher Lambert. Basically, just go on a tear <laughs> for nine days. That's a, three million is a lot of hookers, even he's, with inflation. And he's having a fucking yeah. great time, isn't he? Like he is, he is yeah. absolutely loving these scenes, you know. Yeah. And it, I think it's just credit to Sean Connery as well. Of like, well, I'm not necessarily the biggest Sean Connery fan in the world. Like, I don't, I don't dislike him or anything, but I don't like bow his feet or anything like that. But just the the sheer wattage coming off him in this film, the sheer star yeah. power of every scene he's in, he just completely commands it. Um, so yeah, he, he's great. The whole the whole Shakespeare scene is hilarious, just busting in yeah. in the middle and just wrecking the whole thing. Um, and then where do we go from there? So he shows up. 
then we go back to Connor and Greta and we get the exposition. He basically gives her a whole info dump because she sees him and she's like, ah, you're young again. And he literally yeah. goes, yes. Like that's normal. Yes, I'm an immortal from the past and I've killed all the other immortals and it made me mortal, but now they're back, so I have to kill them again. And then they fuck. Like, hello, forward. Um, I mean... <laughs> I know, yeah. I know he looks pretty good now because he's just shaved off like 30 years or something. But they literally, yeah. she literally just drops her knickers there and then. And they fuck. Like, but I mean, you would. Cause if somebody tells you that you know, they're, they're an alien from another, from another planet or, from, or they're from the, the very distant past. They've killed lots of people. And oh, by the way, I can just make myself young again. Yeah, you're not going to run a fucking mile, are you? Well, you're not going to scream and run away exactly. or try and kill the bastard. N- never mind. The I mean, you wouldn't that, try and kill you know, them, but you would probably be a quick retreat. And, and five yeah. minutes ago, he's the guy responsible for the worst thing in existence, according to you. But he's pretty yeah. fit Although, to be now, fair, that's so... whoever put out the theatrical version. That's yeah. the worst person in existence. <laughs> but, you know, pretty fit now. And this is this is the late 80s, early 90s, and it's a man's yeah, world, isn't it? So... <laughs> Yeah, all all of a sudden he's eminently fuckable. I forget, I forgive all the sins. Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. No, the fact he ruined the world. Fuck it, I don't care. He's fit now. Yeah. Um, and so, in fact, no, he doesn't even he doesn't even tell her all of this at that point. She just sees him. He walks out after killing them both, and she sees him. And she's like, "Oh, hello, you're fit," and they fuck. And then they go back to his apartment, and then she recounts. Just for those of us that weren't keeping up or maybe didn't see the first movie, she recounts in a horrible exposition dump that he's an immortal from the past and he's been sent forward as punishment and he's fighting for the price. She just recounts all of that in a, so let's go over this again. Let me get this straight kind of manner. Just so I'm clear in my head. Yeah. Go. Yeah, yeah. exactly. This is um, really your Tinder profile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but then again, we actually get some good stuff, right? Because this is where his character's gone back to old man Connor, but now he's in young man's Connor. You know, she she says to him like, "Have you ever seen a blue sky?" And then he just starts to reminisce, and he's like, "I've seen blue skies, I've seen red skies, I've seen." And then this is where we kind of flashback then to like the shield generator getting turned on and stuff like that, and why he did it. Um, and it, again, there's this just like this flash of a different film here. We're actually I think it's quite similar to the first one, but Connor's got this whole lifetime that we can explore. And you can use yeah. the context of the planet being destroyed to do that, but we just get so lost in all of the other bullshit that we, they just don't regard him as important. And it's a shame because this stuff mm. is good. Like it, I think his his part of this scene is good. Hers is terrible because it's just exposition oh, she's rubbish. Awful. But it's not that she's bad. The script is no, bad. The, you can't the, lay the blame. No, it's the, what, yeah, what she's doing is awful. No, but, rather, rather than, rather no, but awful. let's face it. Like as a character, she's only there to be a romantic love interest. Like she's oh, completely supposedly got like some knowledge of the shields and stuff but she doesn't play any part in actually bringing like she is literally just there so that you don't mistake connor for being gay for ramirez yeah pretty much pretty much she, she's yeah she's there to i mean she's there for eye candy let's be honest yeah that's why she's there um yeah so we get that scene then katana shows up um and in the middle of a subway and okay i have two problems oh, with this God. scene Right, so this is yeah, the scene I've got where many. everybody's on coke, right? But I, I have two major problems <laughs> with this scene. Wish I no, was on coke watching it. Nobody in the scene is on coke. It, just for legal reasons, the ones that were on coke were, <laughs> were not allowed to to show. Right, so first of all, so he comes in and for no apparent reason he decides he's going to crash the train. Right, 
So he goes through to the to the driver and he puts the train on max speed and it just keeps going and going and going and faster and faster and faster. That would not happen, right? Surely there's Thank some you. sort of limiter or something on this fucking train. And if there's no limiter, yeah. there's going to be a max speed. Like you can't well, yeah. just keep accelerating anything. You will reach terminal velocity. Right. Unless it's going in a perfectly straight line forever, it's going to derail. Yes. It's going to be going too fast yes. and come off the fucking bend. Yes. Yes. Right? So that's fucking stupid. It must have been hilarious you watching it, though, Helen, because it gets sped up when you watch it. <laughs> <laughs> but more importantly... I mean, there was a bit where it was like almost total recall with like how much the velocity was hitting the guy's face. Yeah. And that just, because it's so, because I was watching it so fast, like that bit just went from pram down the train to, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the pram flying down the train, people holding on to fucking handrails and getting sucked backwards. It's just fucking ridiculous. Michael Ironside, again, just chewing scenery. Um, and again, he, oh, yeah. he's on record as well, literally saying like, this film was so bad that I decided I was going to be the absolute best thing in it. <laughs> so he just said, I, I went for it 100% every day, totally over the top. Feel bad for him because he's not the best thing in it because Sean Connery's in no. it, but at least he committed. <laughs> were it, were it, yeah, were it not for Sean Connery, he'd have a chance. I think. I, I think he would. At least he's he's consistent, but he's it's not his fault that every single line of dialogue he's got is fucking abysmal. Oh, terrible! No, and, and that's, that's oh, not, not his fault. I think I think the same has to be said for Christopher Lambert as well. Like, is it, he, there are moments where he's genuinely really fucking good in this film, and to be fair to him, he is not a bad performer when given the right material. You know, and he and he's certainly better than most of his peers in the kind of low grade eighties action movie field. Right? It's just that here he hasn't got anything to work with. Um no, nothing whatsoever. But but anyway, aside from the whole like train not derailing, not stopping, not doing it more importantly, why? Why no, I don't I yes. I didn't work that yeah. out either. Yeah. What, what has this got point? to do with anything? Other yeah. than to establish that he's a bad guy, but like it, it needs context. Like this needs to be a trap for Connor, right? It has to be. Oh, yeah. I know what I'll do. Connor's a goody goody. So if I go there and make a train go really fast and it hits the news, you know, it has to be like the Superman trap, right? Like he's going to show up yeah. to save all the people. Yeah. Except a Connor's not that dude because that's the whole yeah. point. Like he's not necessarily a good guy, right? He's just a guy trying to survive essentially and the only reason he does what he does here is through love right because it's, it's his wife's dying wish he doesn't give a fuck right he's one mm. he doesn't care so this needed to be about like you have to go to the shield generator immediately and start fucking that up we don't need this shit with the train it's pointless yeah. especially when yeah. you're trying to save a few bucks like why yeah. do yeah. this um so uh right oh, right so then i've just written in my notes yeah but this is all great and of course i know the answer as i said but i've just written here to remind me to talk about this point we're now about in our cut that we watched we're about 45 50 minutes in here and we still don't know why connor built the shield generator why him yeah that's the yeah. important thing what has any of this shit got to do with connor mcleod because he's our hero and this film is about him so anyway, um, <laughs> we we do get some explanation there. We get some expository dialogue again about why it went up and what have you, um, and and where this film is going to go. And they actually say out loud, "Well, maybe if we wait long enough, the ozone layer will just fix itself." 
I mean, and that comes out of Connor's mouth. It's like, show your hand. Jesus Christ. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, ah, oh, it's terrible. Yeah. So I don't remember that line, but I do remember there's a bit where they're in some sort of they're in some sort of shield. Um, it's like a monitoring station, like a control, a control center, effectively. And there's a thing where you get they get some radiation reading. Yeah, and all it's like normal all of a sudden. Yes. And, oh, and it, it's it's a really big deal. Like, oh fuck, it's blue. What? It's never been blue. What do you mean it's blue? And you get this whole thing, and then it's like, all oh, right, okay. Well, are they going somewhere with this? Short answer: fuck no. No, no, not at all. Um. But we do right. So, in the version that we watched, then it's at this point that we now get the flashback to find out that um, Connor's wife died as a result of radiation exposure, right? But they have to right. find a way to link into that because this is recut. So what we get is one of the best things in the fucking film, which is a mock safety, um, public safety commercial, and it's <laughs> yeah. very Robocop. But it's very, right. very funny. Um, really, really good. Um, so we get this this mock safety film, and then we get um, we get the flashback of his wife. Um, and of course, Connor's immune to this radiation; it can't kill him. So he's the only person that can sort this out because he's yeah. immune to it. Apparently, not sure it really works like that, but whatever. Oh, no, because cells will still break down. That's the whole fucking point. Um, well, no, not so much that. I mean, well, no, I, I buy Connor being yeah, I, I buy Connor being immune. But as this is radiation damage from the sun, I don't get how being immune makes him uniquely able to build the shield. Like, if in order to build the shield, yeah. you actually had to go into fucking orbit, uh, you'd be up there. Yeah, I would get that. But it's not that. It's just that he's the only one that can do it. And again, it's this is me making a leap of faith. Because I don't think this is in the source material, but I think just the writer in me and the part of me that really wants to like this because it's Highlander just leaps for a year. <laughs> but through the quickening, he probably gained some sort of scientific know-how and she would know that because she's been married to him for the last 20, 30 years or whatever. So she would know. And also we couldn't get her back, so we had to find a way to kill her off. So this all makes sense, right? So fine, whatever. Look, it, 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 yeah. It's rubbish, right? It's, it's rubbish. Yeah, it's shit. <laughs> it, it, it's shit, but it tracks. It does track. If it had come way earlier in the film, like right as the, at the start, part of our setup, I think it softens a lot of these blows because it, it helps us to understand Connor immediately and it helps us to understand why he's become this mopey old man. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there's that. Um, and then... Right, so then we get, like, Katana's searching for Connor. Connor goes to his wife's grave, um, which is where the flashback actually happens, and Katana shows up, which is pretty disrespectful, but he's an arsehole, yeah. so it doesn't shame. Um, and they have their first fight. This is one of the two fights that are cut together to make the final fight, okay, yeah. in, the, um, in, the, in the theatrical and the British version. No, the, it's, no, the British version's separate as well, so the theatrical version when they're together. Um, and it's it's one of the most iconic fights from the film, like when they go outside on the ledge and you get the gargoyles and stuff. That's imagery that's actually burned into my brain. Like, I, I remember this fight very, very well. Um, and he goes down in the lift and stuff and breaks all his bones. It's really, really cool. And again, it's another cool fight. But even though it's a cool fight, the key thing here is that if Katana didn't show up and interfere right, and try and kill Connor, then 
Connor would die eventually because he's mortal, right? Yeah. So if Katana didn't send his two hitmen and come over himself, he wouldn't have a problem at all. Because it's all... Just wait him out. And he comes back this thing of like, oh, he hasn't made his choice yet. And it's like, hang on, you're breaking your own world rules here. Yeah. But what that... There's not a choice to make. Yeah, what that actually leads us to is the fact that Connor has no agency here whatsoever. He's just reacting to this shit because they've shown up now and he's immortal again. He's like, but I don't want to be immortal again. But he is. (laughs) So he's just got to deal with it. Um, Okay, and then... They they have their fight, um, and then there's like a random dead guy, and I don't understand what it's got to do with anything, uh, with with the shield or with katana or whatever. I I don't understand quite what's going on here, um, but the fight is cool, so we we kind of go with it, um, and then I've just written here. I've already talked about it, but Connor is literally doing fuck all in this film at this point. Like he's done absolutely nothing except make fucking Google eyes at, at Greta Thunberg. He's, he's done fuck all. He's just randomly killed a few guys that showed up, and that's that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But And what's so annoying is all this actually needs, even if you want to leave the shield stuff in and, and all of that, all this actually needs is just some stupid, pointless, random MacGuffin that everybody needs to go after. Whether, yeah. whether it's like, if Connor finds this thing Actually, he could let's say, um, let's say Greta Thunberg's discovered how we can fix the ozone layer, right? It's not going to repair itself. She's discovered how we can fix it, right? But it's going to need this mad element, right? Yeah. So Connor wants to get it so he can fix the ozone layer, drop the shield, and correct his past mistake, right? And then he can die with yeah. a clean slate. He's happy. Katana wants to stop him getting it because he's worried that when he gets it and he drops the thing, he'll actually remember why he left in the first place, which was to lead a revolution and make his world better or his timeline better. So he's worried that the old McLeod that got sent there in the first place is going to kind of get yep. stirred up. And So all you've got to do is drop this random fucking MacGuffin in, and it can be anything. That's just one example. But just give him MacGuffin and all of this kind of gels together. It's yeah. that easy, like, and and that fuck it, that's the fault of the writer. Before we even get yeah. into the production woes and everything, that's a fucking yeah. fault of the writer that nobody saw that. Um, so that so that's annoying. Um, <laughs> and then Ramirez, oh, oh, we've skipped over the bit with Ramirez in the plane, um, which which I shouldn't have because again, that's just Sean Connery being absolutely amazing. Yeah, I've Ramirez got it right. Yeah, but did I, miss, did I miss that bit? Is that not in mine? That's where that's where the, the safety really that's where the safety um, video is. Oh, he gets yeah. on the plane and they play like a pilot safety video. This is what to do when the plane crashes, and it and it's all very like nineteen fifties kind of. So Ooh, I I've, don't remember I've, that bit. I've got a thing. So they there's <clears throat> there's this location that they've got to get to because that's going to take them out above the shield. Mm-hmm. And when they get yeah. out, it's like it's like on the mountains and they're looking down on the clouds and stuff. Planes fly higher than mountains. Generally, yeah. Good point. If they don't, they don't fly the for plane, very long. The plane has so, to be flying under the shield because otherwise the plane wouldn't be able to get... Good point. Yeah, but the plane can't be flying under no. the, the shield because it, it, that's not how planes work. No, it's not. No, it's not. Um, so, good point. Yeah. Good point. Uh, because yeah. if, if, the, if the mountain that they come out on is higher than the plane... 
they would she wouldn't be fucking breathing no no she wouldn't um but yeah there, there is that plane sequence there's also the sequence where he gets new clothes as well um yeah, oh, yeah. so yeah. the clothes the Goes clothes thing is funny the plane thing is hilarious and it's sean connery at his absolute best it's, it's a shame it's not in your version mark it's probably worth looking up um he's essentially yeah. Just being a dirty old man on a plane, but he's he's smooth yeah. as hell about it. Like there's there's like a, a younger woman sat next to him who he's complimenting, you know, telling her she's more beautiful than Cleopatra and Helen of Troy and all of these people, and he should know. But they've all got one yeah. thing in common, and then he leans in and whispers. I'm pretty sure this is what he says because it's a whisper, right? But I went back and turned the dialogue up. Pretty sure he says the one thing they've all got in common is they all sat on my face, and I'm pretty sh- I am almost <laughs> certain that's what he says. It's definitely words to that effect. <laughs> definitely words to that effect. And it's hilarious. Yeah. Um, so anyway, he makes his way over on a plane um, and then shows up in Connor's apartment when we're having a debrief. Like, you, you think he's breaking in. He's just had the fight with Katana. So he's he, like busted himself up. He got back to the apartment. Which again, you've just had a fight with your mortal enemy from like millennia ago who's randomly shown up so why would you then just go back to your apartment to Greta Thunberg who you've just fucked and just brush it off as if like he's chilling out he's like hang on like you need to go and kill this guy immediately like you don't just yeah because presumably he's going to follow you find out where you live kill your bird and then kill you but he's just chilling out they're having a they're having a lovely time having a conversation and then of course we're led to think that Ramirez breaking in is actually Katana. Yeah. So they have a bit of a fight, and then obviously they realise who each other is straight away, so then they're just busting each other's balls for a bit. And it's great. The two of them together yeah. are brilliant. Like, the, the chemistry they've got is absolutely excellent. Um, yeah, it's only at this point I actually started to give a fuck. I've got to be honest. Yeah, uh, they're, they're great. Like, they, every scene with the two of them in is, is, like, that's what I want from this film. Like, it's just more of what they were like in the first one, basically. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, so they're great, but then takes the two of them to work out that actually Connor needs to go to this place that we just talked about, Alan, which is above the shield, and he needs to see for certain if the ozone layer has repaired itself, because of course he's immortal, so he can do that. Um, and so then, just to be dramatic, Sean Connery says that your time is now, McLeod, and smashes the. It's very, very melodramatic. <laughs> Like, he could have literally yeah. just said, let's go. But no, your time is now, McLeod. And he smashes it, and, and off they go. So, in order to do this, and well, I might be wrong, Mark, because it's been a while since I've seen the theatrical cut, but I think we've got an action sequence here that you don't have in your version. Do you get them breaking right. into the Supermax? No. Right. I didn't Ooh. think you did, because I'm pretty sure in your version, um, the other scientist, they just show up and he's kind of already dead or dying. Yeah. But here the idea dying, is yeah. that, right, so because um because he's kind of he knows what's going on the corporation stitch him up and he gets sent to a supermax prison right but he knows the location he's got the coordinates of where they need to go to get above the shield so katana doesn't want them to get that because the head of the corporation whose name i forget doesn't want to get but they they team up what was his name David Blake. David Blake, right. So they kind of form yeah, an John alliance. C. John C. McGinley. Yeah, it's John C. McGinley's character, yeah. So they, they kind of form an alliance, and they want to stop them doing that, right? So they've got reverse MacGuffin. Yeah. They haven't got the MacGuffin, but they've got the reverse yeah. MacGuffin at this point, right? Yeah. Uh, so they need to stop them breaking the Supermax. So off they go in their car. 
to break into a supermax prison, the most secure place on the planet, which has a car park barrier at the entrance that they literally drive through. Literally just one of those flappy barriers you get that you put your ticket in and the barrier lifts. That's the front gate of the supermax prison. Um, so yeah. they, they smash through it after Sean Connery tells him to floor it, dude. Uh, <laughs> to that effect. Yeah, that's definitely missed. That definitely wasn't in my version. <clears throat> Again, hilarious. Um, and and then they get they just get shot to fuck, like just yeah. Actually, yeah, you, so you do get that, but you do get them driving in and getting shot. And oh, there you go. She's in the boot. So what you miss is the context of that being a supermax prison. Then yeah. So they so that is a supermax prison apparently with that little barrier that they smash through and she's in the boot. Okay, and then they get shot like a hundred times each. Yeah, yeah, basically. Um, right. Okay. Yeah. So then they're having the discussion about like, oh, oh, those guys are definitely dead, and they both sit up again. They're brilliant together, and they just they just shooting the shit about who got shot more and. Like, yeah. So. 107, I got shot 118, what are you on about? Yeah, brilliant. And, yeah, and brilliant. Again, my only problem is like, I get that they're old friends and stuff, right? And I, and I get that Christopher Lambert just wanted in this film, and he's brilliant, and I'm so glad that Sean Connery's in it. But what the fuck is Ramirez doing here? Because he doesn't need to be here, does he? Like, no, not so. Connor could have done all of this on his own, you know? Um, yeah, it's stupid. Other than the fact that when they then. They they meet um, Connor's friend, the scientist. He gives them the coordinates. Then he go and then when they try to escape, they get trapped in like a death trap. Basically, there's a big fan on the ceiling, and it all starts spiraling down towards them. Which of course yeah. is going to kill them because it's going to cut their heads off. Yeah, and there's seemingly no way out, except for the fact that Ramirez has come back, and all of a sudden there's some absolute made up bullshit that has never been mentioned anywhere before. <laughs> <laughs> where if you summon all of a person's life force and experience throughout their life, most people use only a percentage of it. I think a bit like brain power. Most people use only a percentage of it. But if you summon all of that up and harness it all in one place, then you're basically capable of magic. And because he's an immortal, he's got like 500 years or something worth of all of this life energy. And so he's able to kneel down and stop the fan with his finger. And of course, his explanation is it's a kind of magic. Oh boy! <laughs> I mean, mm. as stinkers go. Oh yeah, as stinkers go. That's a really bad one. Um, <laughs> but at that point, you've got to wonder, right? Did the writer know that's what they were having, or was he just really hedging his bets? Well, I've, I'm kind of fascinated about the relationship between a kind of magic and Highlander Tool, right? Because that's not the only time it's name dropped here. Nor is he playing the jukebox. Like Sean Connery uses the line, it's a kind of magic, several times. He uses it in the flashback as well when they're joining themselves. Yeah. It's a kind of magic. Yeah. Connor says it as well. It's dropped in a lot. And it, like a kind of magic became its own thing for Queen as well. Like it was his own yeah. album, right? It, it became his. So I often wonder, yeah. like, how does this relationship work? Right, like with yeah. with Flash, for instance, Flash was clearly written for Flash Gordon, right? Yeah, and we know with the first Highlander, like those songs were written for that soundtrack. But kind of magic is weird, isn't it? Because it came his own thing, and yet the lyrics yeah. are so specific to Highlander too. Yeah, you know, if you actually listen to the lyrics of a kind of magic, like they are very specific. It's they say it's a kind of magic. There can be only one, a prize that lasts a thousand years. Will soon be gone. Like it's it's all it's it's Highlander encapsulated. Yeah, it's, right? uh, yeah. but it, it's much bigger than this film became. 
and, and so but, weird, isn't it? Yeah, but because the lyrics are so specific like that as well, you do wonder whether like this was written and then somebody plonked it in front of them and they were just scanning through it and somebody went kind of magic and there you go and there's a song. Because like when yeah. you're that good, you can do that, right? When you're Freddie Mercury, you can look at a script and go kind of magic. I like that. And off you go. Yeah, that'll do. I'll take that. Right? And off you go. So it is... I, I do often wonder, and I don't know the backstory. It's possible. But yeah, maybe there's some like queen nerds out there that, that will know that better than, than a Highlander nerd. But there's, there's definitely... There's a weird relationship between them. Um, yeah. And like yeah, I said, definitely. it's different to the relationship they had with the first... Because again, like something like Prince is a Universe. Yeah, you get I Am Immortal, I Have Inside Me, Blood of Kings. But it's all just kind of thematically similar. Whereas this yeah. is like very blatantly about Highlander. So yeah, <laughs> it's weird, weird. Um, so on your off chance, Brian May is listening. Let us know. Yeah, well, well I mean, any of Brian May's not the only one alive. Is he? They're all alive apart from Freddie. Apart from Freddie, yeah, they're all alive. Yeah, so whoever, a- a- any of you, uh, just let us know. I, I I just think he's he's, he's kind of interesting because he has massive hair and builds his own guitars. Like that's the thing everybody knows about Brian May, and it builds his own guitars out of knitting needles mm. and shit. Right. Yeah, that's, that's, that's all I know about him. That and the hair. Um, so. Also, the fact that um, apparently, because because he's a like a recognized scientist, and the fact that nobody's disproven that fat bottom girls make the world go round in forty years, apparently that's now accepted <laughs> scientific theory. <laughs> so fair play to the man. I married a bird from EastEnders. Um, so right, anyway, Connor can go above the shield, right? That's been established. Yeah. So now they're on their way to go above the shield, but he decides to take Greta with him. Well, why not? But that's a huge risk. <laughs> of course it is. Like Look, it, You're immortal. She's not. Yeah. What could go wrong? Now, I know she just wants to see what it's like above the shield. That's like her whole thing. She wants the shield down. But like, at least like stick a toe out first. Do you know what I mean? Just like check the sharks in the yeah, water. Um, like, well, you know, we, we've established through seeing the people in the monitoring station at the control center that it's not radioactive up there anymore. It's, it's kind of sorted itself out. But nobody below the shield knows that. No. Not clear. So why would you risk sticking it, literally sticking your head above the parapet and no, risk it getting knows, burnt off? She knows this because when she does the um, run on the shield generator thing in the very beginning, she plugs her computer into the shield monitoring yeah. station, and she can oh, see okay. she sees that there's no radi- she sees that there's right, no radiation okay. above it. That might I may be- have missed that. It may not have been in mine. Yeah, that's not. Have been no, that's that's part. in that. Yeah, that's in that. Yeah. First yeah. section. I'm going to work on the proviso. If I've missed it, it wasn't in it in the first place, so I couldn't see yeah, it. No, yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> I'm going to that, work on that one just in case I didn't miss. That's it. another one of the things they, they clarify you in that in that initial section where they where it's yeah. not the December installation anymore. Um, so yeah, she does know that, but still, it's a pretty fucking huge leap of faith when you've literally got a guy who is not going to be affected by this at all. Yeah, it's like he yeah. cannot die. You can burst into flames as soon as you get up there. Yeah, just let him go mm. and check it out first yeah go and do his thing yeah you know but whatever you do you um and by the way we have skipped over massive chunks of this film but it's because there's so little going on for most of this film there really is like yeah there's a a lot of time goes into setting this up but actually nothing fucking happens yeah there's there's i mean yeah we we just mentioned it briefly we've actually skipped really over the whole partnership between katana and johnson mcginley's character who i've already forgotten again but they they forge an alliance um, they do, but again, it's so it's so poorly defined, and you get fuck all with it. Well, it's literally because Katana just walks into his boardroom and like kills a dude, yeah, rips somebody's head off, and then that's kind of it, and then basically goes for the power play. Never really says yeah. what he wants, other than he knows Connor's going to go there. Which, well, it's, it's stupid because you you get this. What's effectively a power play? He goes in, um, henchman number one, 
shoots him several times. He keels over. They think he's dead. And then, oh, funny enough, he gets up and breaks the guy's jaw very, very slowly by ripping, you know, by ripping it off his, his body. And then he kind of dies. Which is fucking badass, by the way. Fucking awesome. I, I do just want to say, like, but, the whole reason I liked Highlander as well, any time immortals get to be badass in these films, they, they oh, yeah. really fucking go for it. Like... And like that, that whole death scene, and it's just the the fact that they, they sort of just keep on going with it. So he's already dead, yeah. but he just clicks the jaw one, one more time, time. Yeah. one more time, and it's like for fuck's sake, just no, let the poor cunt die. Yeah. But on the back of that, he um, Jonathan McGinnis just kind of lets him sit down and carry on, and you don't get any sense of like, what does he actually want. Yeah. Where is he going with this? Other than he wants McLeod, but why? What What's his ultimate plan for the shield, for the planet? Well, he, How is it going to work? Yeah, Where's it coming from? He, he doesn't have one. He just wants McLeod, and he knows McLeod is going to the shield, right? Because he's been, well, he's been watching him through the video screens, isn't he? So he knows all of it. Again, if they had the MacGuffin, it would make more sense, but they don't, right? Exactly. So you just go with a leap of faith that he knows McLeod is going to the shield because he knows that he feels like it's his fault, and he's watched this. he's been watching him this whole time, right? So he just wants McLeod. John C. McGinley wants, basically also wants McLeod. This hasn't been clarified very well, but there is, I don't even know if this is in the version either, Mark. Um, but there is a scene between McLeod and the other scientist where it flashes back to him actually building the shield and turning it, turning it on, which would have been at the start of the theatrical cast. Yeah. Okay, but during that scene, they're conversing on a computer screen away from the prying eyes of the cameras. Um, and that's right, basically okay, where the two that. of them are discussing like, should we have done this? Were we wrong? Are the oxygen yeah, levels no, normal? That. Is the ozone normal? Because he's had this information from Greta. And right. the scientist yeah, then gives him half of the... He's, he's about to give him the coordinates, and he gives him half. And then John C. McGinley interrupts. But he knows... Like, that's where Connor gives that really shitty explanation where I said about, about showing your hand, where he says yeah. to him, like, oh, well, what if the ozone layer just repaired itself? We wouldn't need the shield. And so that triggers off Johnson McGinley to think, all right, I've got to watch this guy because he's like if Connor Anna said that, probably yeah. wouldn't give a fuck. He'd just be like, Oh, hello, Mr. McLeod. Like yeah. you built the shield, what are you long, here for? Like it wouldn't be a see, you made but... me a shit ton of money, you know, fuck off and die. Exactly, right? But instead Connor gets up in his grill and gets really hostile about it. So then he's worried yeah. that Connor's gonna go above and realise that actually you know the ozone layer is normal, they won't need the shield anymore, yeah. which means he's not making any bank. Right, because all of the governments of the world are paying him to keep the shield running because it costs money and of course yeah. he's marking it up. So he doesn't want Connor to get above the shield and Katana just wants Connor dead. Right, So it's kind of like classic supervillain team. It's very elaborate in its setup, yeah. but that's that's what it is. Yeah, it works. Yeah, you know, that, that, If that's what you're getting, that it works. So from the version I had, you didn't get any of that. You didn't get any of that setup. It was just I'm going to, I want McLeod, I'm going into your board meeting because clearly your board, your company are in his way. He's coming for you, therefore I want to, I want a seat at the table. And I don't just want a seat, I want the top seat. Yeah. And that's kind of it. And you think, well, what for? What are you going to do? What are you actually working towards? And it's, just, it's not clear at all. All he wants to do is kill McLeod. That's it. That's all he wants. Um, so yeah, they, they have their kind of supervillain team up. We glossed over that whole thing because it, it really is, as you said, it's, it's very poorly defined, even in the Renegade cut where we get more of it. And it doesn't really yeah. add to anything because, again, no one really has any agency. Katana's hunting McLeod and that's it. That's the only agency that any of these people have. The rest of them are just reacting to the fact that Katana is hunting McLeod, including McLeod. Yeah. Um, hmm. 
so that's that's a whole issue but yeah then we do need to talk about john c mcginley um just from the context of choices that were made um <laughs> and you you would have lost this hell in watching it at, at speed but yes you know i mean at the time he was still just that guy from those things right but now he's yeah. i mean he's still a certain element of him, but we're all very familiar with him now and we know what he should look like and sound like and as soon as he opens yes. his mouth in this film you're like what he's not Perry Cox. Fuck? What? <laughs> like, I was looking at the base settings on my amp. I was like, "Did I what?" <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, I, I got had it on the that. TV. Um, I had it on the TV in the living room. It was I, I put it on after after the kids went to bed last night. So I got to actually to sit down and watch it on a proper size screen and all the rest of it. And that's why I wasn't watching it on the link you sent because it wasn't mm. on my phone. Um, and I was sitting there going, "What the fuck is that?" Yeah, that's not what he sounds like. Yeah. Um, so and obviously you take into account that yes, okay, he's ten plus years younger than he than he, than, he, than the version of him I know, but he still doesn't fucking sound like that. No. So the reason he sounds like that is because he decided to interpret this character as though he was being played by Orson Welles, being yes. played by Johnson McKinley. So he's basically um, playing Orson Welles, playing this character. <laughs> yeah, which is madness. And, and to be to. To be fair, even he has turned around and said, what the fuck did they do that for? That makes no sense whatsoever. He did that because no one had control of this production. Yeah, this nobody is, turned around and told him not to. This is a production that was so bad, its own director walked out of the premiere after 15 minutes because he couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> that's that long. 15 fuck. minutes and he had to leave because, of course, he had never seen this film. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> He didn't. He didn't get to cut it. He had never seen the final cut. He just walked the fuck out. He requested that his name be removed. He wanted to be Alan Smithy, but he was under contract, and the contract specifically forbade him from speaking out against the production. And they decided that changing his name would have been him negatively speaking out against the production. And that is the only reason his name is attached to this film. Otherwise, he would have removed his name from the credits. Fuck man, that's 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 bad. Again, like, you, you you know you've got problems when you're at that stage. I'm just dropping these in as we go through. I'm not even touching the tip of the iceberg with this production, listeners. Honestly, if you want to go down a rabbit hole after this, you're going to have a whale of a time. It is fucking hell. Pour yourself a very large glass of wine and just. I bought dive. six bottles back from my parents. I'm good. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> dive Fuck. down the rabbit. I haven't hole. had a drink since March. I've started drinking again with this bastard film. Pour yourself a drink and dive down the rabbit hole that is the production of Highlander 2. There are whole documentaries about it as well, if you want to search them out. Yeah, there. I've, I've seen that. There's, um, oh, fuck, what was it called? Um, it's a kind of magic. Yeah, there, no, there's, there is, um, there's a documentary that um, uh, Roger Ebert um, was involved in producing, and a very, no, very well-known film critic who does fuck all yeah. apart from shit on everything. And what what was it called? Oh fucking! I can't I can't find it. I can't find the page. No, I, I mean, there it. are several. There are fan made ones as well. Yeah. So, but there are numerous websites as well. As I say, very particularly, uh, there's a good site that compares all three versions, which I'll make sure Mark got the link for to drop in the show notes. That's a good place yeah. to start. It doesn't give you any behind the scenes stuff really, but it does outline just how different the Renegade cut is, even from the theatrical yeah. cut. Um, yeah, it's, but, oh, honestly, the, the stories <laughs> behind this production are amazing. Right, so anyway, getting back on track, back to the film. They've been above the shield, okay? So they now need to take the shield down. So they need to go back to the shield generator and work out how they're going to take it down. Now, Ramirez has already told us 
in another bit of expository dialogue that he needed to show up to give us for some reason because Sean Connery that it's going to take the power of Connor and Katana to shut down the shield generator. So Connor now yeah. knows that he's got to stop fucking around, stop running away. He has to take Katana out. He has to reclaim the prize. He has to go through the quickening and absorb Katana's life energy so yeah. that he can shut down the shield generator. Okay. So off they go and we get, they, they're in their car and Katana's chasing them. So this is how we start our final fight sequence. He's pursuing them on the way to the shield generator. There's a, again, really fucking good action sequence where he's hanging off the back of trucks and they're fighting on the truck and stuff like that. Really, really good. Um, don't know if that's in your cut, Mark. I can't remember. I don't think it is. Nope, it is not. No, I didn't think it was either. I as as you were saying, I think, what the fuck are you talking about? It's really, really good. I say truck, it's like more like a little kind of Jeep thing, but they're having a fight yeah. while they're on their way back. And then that spills over then into the fight right. at the shield generator, um, which again, it's, it's really good. It's, it's less ambitious than some of the early fights. It's two dudes hitting each other with broadswords. But something yeah. to be said for that, you know. And yeah. to be fair, like fighting with broadswords as well, it's you know that's difficult to pull off. Like when you've got rapiers and stuff yes. like that, you can do flourishes and it can look cool. When you're swinging a gigantic fucking broadsword around, like yeah. that's a different kettle of fish entirely. Like it's, it's it slow and it's sluggish, um, but these guys really make yeah. it look cool. Yeah, just going back very briefly to the point we made. Um, the one I'd read about earlier it's um called Highlander Two: Seduced by Argentina. <laughs> And it's 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 basically an hour and a half of um, Russell uh, Russell McKay saying how shit everything was. Yeah, I mean he really fucking hates this film, um, yeah. as does everyone involved with it. I mean, I'm just saying that there's probably, you know, this this has got to have some sort of bearing on the fact that Christopher Lambert tapped out of Mortal Kombat Annihilation, right? Because he's on record saying like he couldn't work with that script because he hated it. But in the back of his mind, like he's got to be looking at that script going, "You see, I've got oh another one of these God, fuckers. What if it's Highlander two? Yeah, like, yeah." You know, because I mean, he he came he came back. He's in Highlander three. You know, he's he's Connor again in Highlander three. He came up to the pilot of the TV show. Then you've got Endgame where it's him and Duncan. So he's like he came back around yeah. Highlander. It's just that it's this one that it's he this just one, yeah. cannot just cannot wrap his head around. So they go to the shield generator. They have their Join fight. The club. Yeah, and and that's it. Like this ends so quickly once they get it. there is just a scrap. And I, I do wonder if that's because in the Renegade cut, they've separated these two fights, right? Whereas this fight is much longer in the cut yeah. that I originally saw because it is those two fights strung together. It just the space doesn't make sense. The cuts don't make sense. None of it makes sense because it's two fight sequences smushed yeah. together. Um, whereas this is, is quite a short fight at the shield generator. Connor claims the prize, wanders into the shield generator and blows the whole thing up. Basically, um, oh, John C. McGinley dies as well because uh, Katana yeah. throws him out a window. That's before he goes after McLeod on the GPA. Yeah. He just he, he literally again, he's so fucking these scenes are so bad. Like, he literally just turns to him and says, Right, I don't need you now, or something like that. He just throws him out a window. He just punts him straight yeah. out of the window. And he's like, Well, what was the point in him being there at all, to be honest? Then, yeah, he didn't need him at all. There was no point in that character being there whatsoever. No, none. Um, right. So Connor walks in, shuts down the shield generator. Now, here's where the endings differ, okay? Yeah. In the Renegade cut, Connor yes. and Greta Thunberg are walking on a beach, and they just, like, Connor basically, he doesn't commit to anything, but you get the impression that, like, he's going to live out the rest of his mortal days again now with a new wife, right? Because he's, yeah. and that's, that's kind of what you get, right? Yeah. 
in the American cut, you get a similar ending, but there is discussion about the fact that he could go back to Zeiss, but he's going to stay here. So he makes his choice. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. And then, in the British cut, which is the ending that I always remember because it's the cut I've seen the most and the bit that really blows your fucking mind. I don't know if you guys know what this ending is, so this could be interesting. In the British cut, they're both walking on the beach and then Connor reveals to her again that he's... He sure he knows he's an alien, but he reveals to her that he made this, um, this pact where he got sent forward and he could go back once he's killed everybody. And so he now has this choice of he can either stay here with her or he can go back to space. And then she says something along the lines of, what's it like in space? And he says something along the lines of, and I'm not, I'm, I'm just reciting this from memory, right? Because I didn't watch this version. There's something along the lines of, come with me, I'll show you. And then they both turn into stars and fly away. Shut up. Yeah. No, I'm not yeah, making this up. A, I'm not making this that's up. A, that's, a spe- that's a special edition ending. I'm, so that's the that's the British cut as it's called ending. They yeah. turn they literally yeah, so the, turn yeah. into stars and fly up into yeah, space. Yeah. So an, an early version of the, end, uh, the ending shown in special edition includes footage of Virginia Madsen as Louise speaks to Chris Lambert as McLeod. Madsen's on location while Lambert is suspended by wires in front of a blue screen. After a brief exchange with Conrad Louise come with him, the theatrical ending is shown where the two embrace in front of a field of stars, then transform into light uh, light streaks in the sky and fly off into space. There you go. And that's the end, and I remember. What a pile of wank! Yep, 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 yep. And even as even as a fucking ten year old boy, I remember watching that, going, "What the fuck? <laughs> like, what is this? Because this isn't like immortals fighting for the prize and cutting each other's head off and everything that was cool about yeah. the first. Like that first one is probably the most metal film in existence. Like it's metal. <laughs> it's just really, really hard dudes fighting with broadswords. And just cutting each other's heads off the queen. Like, it's awesome. And then this one has him turning into a fucking star and flying away to space. Yep. Now, the Renegade cut took all that out because everyone realised it was a bad idea. Because as you can imagine, the fan reaction was not good. So the third <laughs> film retconned all of that out of existence. Like I said, it, it picks up, in, well, not immediately after Highlander 1, but it picks up the thread of Highlander and says that actually there's this sorcerer that's been encased in ice and he's an immortal too. So Chris Lamb is no longer the last one, right? But there was going to be uh, a third film that picks up after the ending of this one, Shut which up. follows Connor back to Zeiss. And reseats <laughs> him as the leader of the revolution, where he has to take down the council of priests that sent him to Earth in the first place, right at the start oh, of this that film. Wonderful. So, well, it does sound terrible, right? But what I'm getting at here is, whilst it is a horrendous misstep, right, and a ridiculous idea, there was a through line. There was, yeah. again, there was thought here. It just wasn't executed. <laughs> But there is, like I said, it's almost like there's an alternate time, you know, Highlander timeline yeah. that exists. Um, I just... mean, it's it's 2024 next year, so like you never know. They might decide 2024 is the year to make the actual third Highlander film. Uh, I mean, maybe, maybe. I mean, we've had we've had about four other Highlander films since this, but yeah, if they want to make that, then yeah. I mean, I think they kind of did. This fucking one called it Battlefield Earth pretty much from reading the premise of it um so yeah 
I mean, I look, I don't know what else there is to say. We, we haven't talked about the film that much, if I'm honest, because th- this is... Like, fuck for that. But this is one of those things where I think it's it's now the stuff of legend, and the story of Highlander yeah. 2 is more about the fact that it exists than how yeah. bad it actually is. There is very little to talk about um, with the film because it, it barely hangs together. It, it is a collection of, yeah. of scenes, some good, some awful, and they just don't hang together, even in the Renegade cut, which is the closest to a complete film you know that yeah. that you're going to get with this. It, it does at least make some sort of sense. It's just a very bad film, whereas the yeah. others are just a fucking train wreck. They really are a train wreck. Um, and the the problem as well with the Renegade cut, despite the fact that it's longer, so it makes a bit more sense, is if you're watching it at 1.75 speed, all of the exposition dumps go by really, really fast. <laughs> so you're struggling to follow what's actually being said. Yeah, and I mean, I, look, I don't even know if that's such a bad thing, right? Because no. the exposition dumps are awful and they add context. Yeah. They do add context. But I think yeah. the problem is this is so fundamentally broken in that these two stories don't fit together yeah. like you can pull all the exposition you like in the world all you're doing is explaining why you've made these choices it's never going to make it work you either no. do the shield story and you don't call it highlander 2 or yeah. you do the connor being exiled story and you drop the yeah. shield stuff but you pick there can be only one yeah. because both yeah. are not going to work so yeah you know um and and Honestly, I would take either one. Like, I don't like yeah. the alien thing. Yeah, right? but one. Yeah. But one. Yeah, and, and like as much as I, I hate the alien thing from, like, I'd much rather the Highlanders were, or the Immortals, sorry, were, were just unexplained like they were in the first one. They, they just are. They're just these ancient immortal yeah. beings. That's much more interesting, right? They just, they walk among us kind of like vampires or something, right? That's that's fine. We don't need all of that explained to us, but... You know, if you had to call them aliens, right? It's not it's not the most egregious thing you can do. It would rub up against me when you first said it and then I'd be like, Oh yeah, all right, whatever. Just like get on with it. As it, long it as as long as the like... rest of the film is interesting, you just be like, Yeah, that was a yeah, bad as choice. Long as it, but... And as long as it hangs together. Yeah. Fine. You should do it so that the all the immortals were like originally gods like Greek Parthenon. And then when we all moved to singular deity religions, that's what prompted them to be there can be only one because they're, they're, the reason why they're immortal is they're fueled by the belief of followers. And all of a sudden, the followers' belief isn't being split, and so there can only be one god left. Yeah, I mean, that do works. Do it that way. That works as that well. Works. Like, that's the thing. There are loads of ways you can explain this away, right? Yeah. They just chose to go mm, fucking aliens. The shit way. Yeah, 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 the shit fuck, way. Yeah, fucking aliens, right? Okay, whatever. Stars. Right, And you can certainly see where... You can certainly see where from, you know, once the finances got involved, that's the easiest through line from A to B, because aliens in it, whatever. Like science fiction, yeah, go have yeah. aliens in, innit? Fine. Have so a you porcupine. Can, you can understand these choices. They're just wrong. And and it's not very, very often. Very, bad. Yeah, and, and it's not very often, especially when you're talking about something creative, that, that you can use the word wrong because, you know, it's it's choice that was made and that yes. was that was someone's interpretation, right? But this is wrong it, it just <laughs> is wrong it doesn't it doesn't fit what they try what the product is no and, and regardless of whether that's a highlander product or whether it's a, a dystopian sci-fi about the ozone layer being corrupted and having to be fixed and the effect that has on the planet both options are fine in and of themselves yes but together they just don't work 
and somebody has gone you know what we've got 40 minutes of this and 40 minutes of that let's smush them together and see what happens if you want to do the world ending what you should do is sticking with the gods idea and there can be only one god that survives is you make it so that this is true not just for humans but for every sort of living being on the planet Noah's Ark style so it's not just all of the humans that have to fight because there can be only one it's the porcupines and the squirrels <laughs> and the dogs and the cats and everything's going at it and that's why the word's going to shit is because everyone is waging war I mean once again we've just thrown out a brilliant idea on this podcast like someone give us money i would watch the shit out of that me too and hey there's a franchise there right because there's the porcupine movie and the lion movie and the human movie and then after you've had about 10 of these things you bring them all together avengers style the platypus movie oh imagine the platypuses with the claws that are poisoned and the big flappy tails (laughs) oh my god amazing but i mean let's be fair where it gets really interesting is when you get onto the super cute animals like that, yes. that's all good but when you yes. get like ducks killing each other like little ducklings and chicks and stuff <laughs> or, like that's when it gets fucking brutal oh that yeah and, like the farmer the farmer goes these. into like the, the the chicken yard and like the it, like the pen for all of the hens is like completely ripped to pieces and they're like oh my god a fox has gotten in and no there's just one rooster with like blood dripping from his face <laughs> <laughs> amazing like <laughs> infinitely better than this fucking shit hell yeah like i'd watch the shit out of this (laughs) there you go see there's a million ways you could have done this but nobody for even a minute sat down with this script and gone okay why just just why and that's what we've just done right why because they're gods and it's noah's ark and so everybody's fighting everybody right as mental as that sounds that's the why so we understand that story and we can frame it Nobody did that here. Nobody sat down and went, okay, but why did Connor build a shield? Well, because his wife said, okay, but why Connor? <laughs> why? Yeah. How does this yeah. fit Highlander? Why? Who is he? Yeah, surely is he it from? suits him for the yeah. world to end because then he gets to die. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's the whole fucking point, surely. Yeah. You know, nobody just went, okay, but why? And, and, that's, and that's the problem here. There's no heart to this story. And it's interesting, you know, we've talked about the, the two different films at, at war here. And actually, this is one of the films I think you can most easily compare to Mario, which is kind of the whole point of this podcast, right? Because the Mario Brothers movie is exactly the same. It's these two movies that, mm-hmm. that don't quite gel. There's, there's the Super Mario Brothers of it all, which, you know, is a yeah. criticism that constantly gets leveled at it, right? Yeah, but it's not Super Mario Brothers. And the reason it's not Super Mario Brothers is because what it actually is is this bonkers, like, really scuzzy action-adventure film set in an alternate reality. But it chooses to be that and drops the Mario Brothers stuff almost immediately after the first five minutes. That's why I would argue it's not as bad as people say it is, right? Is it a good film? No. Does it work, though? Yes. It's just not what you want it to be. And if this had done that... Yeah, it's not at all. Not at all. And if this had done that and just went, you know, we're not going to be a Highlander film. This is a film about the depletion of the ozone layer. Fine. Mm. And it just happens to have Connor McLeod in it. He's just a bit player even. Like, fine. But don't call it Highlander 2 and have all the immortals fighting yeah. each other and, like, walk back the stuff you do. Just don't do that. Commit to what you're going to be. Yeah. And that's what if, Mario if you were to make, does. If you were to go out and make this film and say, right, we'll take the Highlander of it all away. 
And we've got this film where it's about the depletion of the ozone layer, this fucking corporation that's supposedly doing the right thing and saving the planet and all this, but actually, no, they, they, they come and take no. There's a very definite aspect of the early stages of Final Fantasy VII where you're in the underworld, where you're, you're underneath um, the city, and you've got all these people who they've never seen the sun because it's all been blocked out, and actually you've got this corporation that's fucking controlling all the food rations, and they can't get water because it's all the, the pipes have been turned off, or the terrorists have, uh, no, the, 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 you know, the quote-unquote terrorists, because they've been sold by the media, the fact that they're, they're taking out their water supplies, and actually they're trying to take out the corporation, all that sort of stuff. There's a very definite story to tell there. Mm. And it's half of what you get here, and they just don't lean into it. And then you've got this Highlander bit where, Clearly, the way they wanted to go for the for the third one was okay. Well, you've got this alien race and all. No, you've got the um, you've got the Latin no, the coming only one. All that you've got all that stuff to it. Take that away. Make make that separately. Make Highlander two, basically an extension of Highlander one, which is what it fucking should be anyway. Yep. But make this movie where you set up your dystopian disenfranchised society, where actually you've got this corporation who's running rush rush order everybody, and are basically stealing the fucking sun. They're basically Mister Burns. And you, t- you put that in and say, right, this is where we live, and these are our freedom fighters, these are our rebels, these are our insurgents, whatever you want to fucking call them. Not led by Virginia Madsen because you, know, you don't. You, the the big criticism you always have with these films, you always focus on the big cells and the you know, the ones who are leading everything. You want the fucking ones who are down and dirty and in the trenches, and if they die, nobody fucking notices. Tell their story. Tell a story about how they're actually trying to save the fucking world. That's a film that you want to see. They've they've done the groundwork. Yeah, yeah, they have. And then they just ignored it and yeah. gone, oh yeah, but Highlander. That's, yeah, fuck it, ignore all that. That's the thing, isn't it? That that is the annoying thing. The groundwork is mm-hmm. here. It's it's that because it's these two films, they don't expand on that. Either way, if they wanted yeah. to go the Highlander route, the groundwork is there. You know, forget yeah, like right. I say, forget all of the fucking shield and stuff like that. If it's just okay, they're aliens or they're from the past or whatever it is, but there's actually more substance to them than they're just immortals now. This is where they came from. Yeah. This is why they're fighting. Again, you've done yeah. that Chipmunk groundwork. versus chipmunk. Yeah, you've done that yeah. groundwork, yeah. right? So throw that in there. But it, yeah. just don't. <laughs> they don't. It, it's, it's a halfway <laughs> house that somebody's forgotten the fucking keys to. Yeah, totally. But at I mean, least I don't think, it I mean, it's more Sean of a shack Connery than a house. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't even know yeah. if it's a shack. It's a cardboard box, probably, but like a lean-to yeah the plastic sheeting and the plastic sheeting's got a tear in it because you know hole in the leg <laughs> but it's a lean-to that sean connery's leaning on so it's absolutely yeah. fine because yeah. he's brilliant <laughs> so, um, he's the wooden prop yeah. that's propping it up <laughs> he totally is he totally is yeah yeah i mean i, I don't know what else we can say like i say the, the film itself it, we've covered it there is there is very little of it um it's yeah. It's just a fucking disaster. It's an absolute yeah. disaster of a movie. Um, yeah. and I mean, I, I think I, I don't think we buried the lead about two hours ago, but obviously we've got the question to ask. Um, and I think I know the answer. Right? Is it better than Mario? And I'll start with you, Helen. Um, <clears throat> no. And that's coming from Helen. I know. <laughs> How painful was that? I can see. I can see that etched on your face. How much did um, that hurt you to say? It. It didn't actually hurt me because. I, I sat through that entire thing. I mean, admittedly, I watched it on Fast Forward, but, like, Jesus Christ. I, I thought you only spent half the fucking time the rest of us did. I know. I know. It's because, you know, I was smart. And not because you got your timings wrong. Yeah, not because I got my timings wrong <laughs> at all. <No. laughs> to be fair, I only watched it last night as well. <laughs> what about you, Chris? Uh, no, it's absolutely not better than Mario. Um, like, Well, I, I, I think I, I made my feelings pretty clear just a couple of minutes ago. I, I think... 
I think you can you can compare the two probably more closely than any of the other films we've we've looked yeah. at on this podcast because I think they have a lot yeah. of the same inherent problems. The difference is that Mario fully commits to one side of this fence, and so yes. yeah. it, it ends up not being the complete car crash that this is. You know, and, and again, even down to the to the troubled production and stuff like that, there, there are so many similarities between the two films. But again, it comes down to like if you put the two in front of me. Which one am I going to watch, yeah. right? And, and interestingly, I've probably seen Highlander 2 more. Because I'm not kidding. I did watch this a fuck ton as a kid. Because we loved Highlander. Like, we used to play Highlander. We'd run around fucking the temp and hit the shit out of each other, right? Um, so, <laughs> like, I, I watched this a lot. But Mario's just more fun. It, it, it's, it makes more sense. It's more committed to its style. It knows what it is. Yeah. Like, yes, yeah. it's still got problems. And it's still got a lot mm-hmm. of the same problems as this film. But at least it commits and it goes all in. So it makes for a whole experience. Whether you like that experience or not is down <coughs> to personal choice. But it's a complete film and a whole experience and it makes sense. Whereas this is just a fucking train wreck. There is no other word for it. Even the Renegade yeah. cut, which is, as I've said numerous times, the best possible version you can watch. I promise you it is still one of the worst films you will ever watch in your entire life. <laughs> yeah. and, and not for funny reasons. You know, not not like yeah. some of the stuff we watch where it's so bad it's good, or not like even Death Race where it. I just thought it was a fucking atrocious taste. Like there's none of that. This is just boring that nonsense. Just and and I think probably the most the most egregious crime a Highlander film can possibly commit is being boring. Because like I said, the first one is the most metal thing you will ever see. And then this comes mm. along, and it's just like oh, I don't know, climate change and shit and science. <laughs> what? Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. Kilts and broadswords, yeah. please. That's what I signed up yes, for. Yes, please. Mm-hmm. And yeah. pretend that's Highlander. And pretend Spaniards, like all of that, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think based on what you were just saying about the sort of direct comparisons between um, this and, and Mario and the, the the trouble production stuff, I'm less intrigued as to which is better and which production had more hookers on it. <laughs> Um, this one, I reckon Bob Hoskins had it about him as well. I reckon he, I reckon he had a dark side. This one, if rumors would be believed, I mean, let's be fair. Mario <laughs> put that on front street, like they didn't hide the S and M influences and stuff. So if they were having like, if they were hookers on that set, they were probably having full on orgies. Like I don't think anybody would have had to hide it. Like, I mean, plus Dennis Hopper. So, ah, uh, true. Yeah, you know, you want to talk about coke and hookers, like. <laughs> As a show writer, yeah, uh, yeah, no, yeah, worse um, than Mario for me, yeah, 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 I, I, yeah, say, say exactly the same. There's, I can't, I cannot find any redeeming features in this film. Normally, we, normally we can find something that says, actually, I didn't mind this film, or that was all right, or if this, if they expand on this, it would have been all right. It's two separate films; they've shoved together. Neither of them work in conjunction. Both of them had a shot of working in isolation, but they didn't have the courage of that. And actually, when you know what. Fuck it, we 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 haven't got enough about us to to make the film we want to make, so we'll tack Highlander onto it, and that'll get us somewhere. And by and large, where it got you was fucking cancelled in Argentina, and I don't think anybody wants that. Um, so yeah, absolutely fucking worse than Mario. Um, as always, we'd love to know what people think, especially if you're one of like the three people in existence in the history of time who actually liked no, this piece of no, garbage. No one, honestly, no one likes this film. Somebody must have no, fucking no, thought it'd be good at some no, point. No one. No, no one likes this film. No one. They're retconned out of existence. I'm not joking. <laughs> no one like its own production team don't like this film. 
I, I want to know what the the, um, the people who finished it think of it. The uh, the financiers and the uh, the insurers. They don't care. They They're very very rich. They yeah, don't true. care. <laughs> well, they're probably dead by now. If there's any fucking justice, they probably are. To be fair, this film is. 30 years and change old, I want to say. 32, 32 years there old. There you go. Yeah. Oh, God, that's not bad. I, I said when I was 10, I was plucking that out of thin air. I was 10. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if, if, if for some fucking bizarre reason you have a different take on it to the rest of the world, um, <laughs> please get in touch. Let us know why the fuck anybody can have any, see any redeeming features in this. Um, yeah, get in touch as always on our. Uh, uh, Fuck's sake. I mean, it's been a while. So <laughs> well, actually, it's, not for you guys, it hasn't. No, I'm not going to give you any slack. <laughs> it's been a month. I've been busy. Um, yeah, you can go to our website, ddpodcast.net, where you can uh, get you can leave a message. Uh, pick, check out our other shows as well. On Twitter, at ddpodcast.net, you yeah, can leave some message. Wherever you get podcasts from, subscribe, leave some message, and we'll get back to you best we can. Until next time. See you later, shithead. Chipmunk versus chipmunk. <laughs>